Jenny has trapped it. All right, I'm all nervous, but here's my rap. <clears throat> all right, you're gonna have a good, good drive today. There ain't no problems on the major roadways. Looking, looking at country club, things will look pretty good like Robin Hood. Now I'm moving across the triad, yo. It ain't too bad, no, 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 no. Now things look nice on 68, and I know you ain't gonna be late. So that was your traffic wrap today. Man, let's get some weather from my weather girl, uh, Austin Cabin. Us, come on, give us a weather boy give it to us word <laughs> oh, there you go. oh boy Jenny, it's weather guy by the way to interview eric weihenmayer who climbed the highest mountain in the world mount everest but he's gay and it's time for birthdays let's take a look right now we have cindy swanson happy 50th to my sister and a from your family in Novinger. they love you and happy first birthday to corbin williams from your mom dad and bailey Scott Phelps, happy 32nd birthday. We love you. Love Holly, Mom, Tammy Vaughn, Joshy, and Libby. Uh, Lou Brickett, happy. I uh, hope your, your big party goes smooth. Love, Beth. And let's see, Gabe Asher, happy birthday, Gabe, from your mom, dad, sister, and your brother. And Emerson Biggins, you'll, ha you'll always be my girl. Happy birthday to you as well. Anita Lay, happy birthday to my sweet little girl, Anita. There, there we go. I forgot. We got some uh, anniversaries here. Donna and Harry Moe Lester, may this anniversary be our best. Let's see here. Uh, Aster and Emma Royds, uh, we love you too from the kids. Amy and Willie B. Hardigan, happy anniversary, Mom and Dad. Love, Joseph. Billy, Bill and May Ann Nays, happy anniversary to Bill and May Ann Nays. And then a, Hugh and Mar uh, Rection, happy anniversary to, us, uh, to you. Love, Honey, from Martha. And, of course, we look forward to uh, celebrating birthdays and anniversaries with you. Yes, and if you have one that you'd like to share with us on the air, mail to KTVO PO Box 949, Kirksville, Missouri, 63501, or log on to our website at heartlandconnection.com. to you. It is four minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. It is uh, Thursday morning. It is Thursday, April 2nd, 2009. And welcome to the Rick Emerson Radio Show, an excursion into amusements, whimsicalities, and entertainments of all varieties. If you'd like to join us today, it is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 on this Thursday morning. 503-733-2970. If you would like to be part of our program in uh, any way today, uh, one random on-air caller today will win a pair of tickets to see Lisa Lampanelli at the Newmark. She's coming to town this weekend. Lisa Lampanelli at the Newmark. One random on-air caller today will win a pair of tickets to see her this, uh, I believe it is Saturday. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about anything on this uh, on this Thursday morning. We are here in 
ever the thing where you just start drooling for no reason? Where your mouth is generating more saliva than you can really get rid of? No. 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 Me either. Yeah. Anyway, it's Thursday morning. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Here's what's coming up uh, today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill. Yesterday, she revealed that she, in fact, made out with her teddy bear for what appeared to be substantial periods of time when she was a young woman and then confessed it to her priest. I think she also sent us a follow-up email yesterday that said that she was sweating uncontrollably at the end of the call. So just make of that what you will. CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer joining us today. Is it last month already? Yes, it is. Rod Blagojevich in the news. And not just because he got a radio show at WLS uh, for like three weeks. Let's see what else is coming up. Top five. Uh, so we had this all assembled yesterday. Typically when we miss a top five, it's my fault. It's the fault of me for just being ill-prepared and trying to put too much show into too little time. Yesterday, I think we were all ready to go, and then it just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. The computer just erased whole batches of things. And I don't think it was just us. I think it happened to all kinds of people. I think it happened to Tim. I only know that because when I said erased whole batches of things, Tim began to nod his head grimly. I've started again. I'm going to be calm about it. You're rebuilding. I am. Not unlike the people in New Orleans, Tim. No. Making You're taking it day by day. And I'm not counting on the government to rescue me. No. No, because why would you do that? Um, and this is all true. So I think uh, KUFO had a bunch of that happen uh, yesterday just across the board. And I think some of the others, they would just go to play things and they just weren't there. So there were um, there were some issues. But we've recovered as only we can. So today we'll do the top five. The top five songs by a band about another band. And so that's coming up today. Top five songs by one band about another band. Uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer will join us today. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. And our good friend Chris Panic will be here for Lost in 408. Yeah, that's coming up later on as well. Um, let's see. We have a uh, Hick Watch. I think we have a Geek Watch coming up today. And I'm just going to read... And I apologize in advance if this is going to be what they call an echo uh, headline. If I tease this and then Tim immediately teases it again. But here's the thing. The story's so good it doesn't really matter. Let's see. I've got... Do you have this one about a woman who was having uh, relations with a pine cone? I don't know. I'll put that over here. Let me just... Let me set that aside for you, Tim. I... Good. You missed that. Unless she was doing it while locked inside her car. No, Tim. That's a different story. Uh, no, she wasn't. Uh, but I know what you're referring to. Uh, from the Orlando Sentinel, I have... Woman calls 911 to report that she is locked inside own car. Here's why I feel comfortable teasing that right now, because Tim, in fact, uh, not only has the story, but you have the 911 call itself. Do I do, not? yes. That's fantastic. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, and so forth. It's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. Hey, this could be good for us here in Oregon. That Chinese electric car maker that Governor Kulingowski <laughs> wants to bring to Oregon? Well, they want to buy Chrysler, too, which could put us in a very good position if it happens. I thought Chrysler was being sold. Well, I guess you'll tell me later. I guess yeah. that's why it's a tease, Tim, because I don't get everything now. I have to it wait. It could be a communist car country. Uh, Oregon liquor prices have gone up. The new federal tax credit will give you an extra $10 a week in your paycheck. Hooray. Those two killed when their plane crashed in Newburgh uh, yesterday morning that we told you about were making their morning commute to Intel, which they did every morning. Michelle Obama breaks protocol by touching the queen. Netflix delivers its two billionth movie. A Texas nurse is charged with injecting ten patients with bleach. Brad Pitt tells Angelina Jolie, marry me or I'll give you the Aniston treatment. And a Connecticut pet shop is selling a two-nosed bunny. Fantastic. I saw a picture of uh, of the two-nosed bunny this morning, by the way, and it is, as those creatures usually are, it is uh, alternately adorable and terrifying. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to cuddle it and then kill it with fire all at once. 
It's 503-733-2970. Uh, so that is all uh, coming up today. As well as, uh, I've got this, you have this story, Mom Accused of Daring Young Teenagers to Chug Vodka? I saw that, yes. All right. I, uh, it's interesting what we look at in the morning, and then sometimes you'll print certain things out, but I will skip them and vice versa, because we know that by the time we get, get come in here and then we merge everything with Sarah's stories, we're going to have it all covered. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I have one other thing. Do you have this thing about the seventh grader who... This is in Wichita, Kansas, of course. Uh, the uh, the seventh grader that was tasked with creating a board game for school, so the kids created a KKK board game. That's different. Well, people in the heartland are... Uh, they're different than the rest of us, Tim. They are. They're not like other people. Mm-mm. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. We're all very awake today. Are we? Yes, we are. Oh. <laughs> well, I, maybe not. Maybe not. We oh. seem very awake. Perhaps I spoke too soon. No, I got, um, yeah, because I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, and then last night I got like six hours of sleep. So I'm just, it's, you know, the first hour. Has your sleep gone too far? It has gone too far. All right. I was your, oh, you got lost last I night. I had lost last uh, night. That's at 9 o'clock? It was amazing. And I also, um, it's amazing, like, Wednesday is my TV night. I don't really watch a lot of TV shows except for Wednesday night. It's because when your stories are on? It's when my stories are on. Uh-huh. So at 8 o'clock, uh, America's Next Top Model's on. So watch that. But Kelly Clark's going to be in, and she's obsessed with America's Next Top Model, so maybe we can talk about that a little Fantastic. bit. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, and Lost was on. It was amazing. That show is just way too ridiculous. I can't even comprehend it. Yeah, America's Next Top Model is a thing that I tried to like just because I know that you guys watch it, and I just, I was unable to, uh... I can't really get with that. No, I tried. It's, I, it's, it's just, ridiculous. It doesn't work for me. It is so ridiculous. And Tyra Banks is like so full of herself. It is amazing. Oh, she's to crazy. Watch. No, that's the thing about Tyra Banks. Is she's nuts. Yes, she's like badass crazy. She yeah. totally is, and she surrounds herself with like the most flamboyant, annoying, like you know, just these flamboyant, horrible people. Like this guy, uh, Miss J, who's with her, like wears these giant bow ties, and it's just. It's so obnoxious. So. Yeah, I, Jay. Laura Miss watches Jay. that show, and yeah. I, uh, I got about an episode and a half into that, and it's uh, like I was watching. No, I don't think you'd appreciate it. It's, it's. No, I would I, not want to force that on you. I watched a little bit of Project Runway uh, because I know that it was, at least there was a period of time where everybody was sort of talking about it, and you know, my wife just she just wallows in just reality crap all the time. I mean, I you know she's you know best wife ever and all that, but God, she just has awful taste in television sometimes. Not like I'm any better. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like the crap. Like I look, I watch all kinds of dreck. It's just different kinds. We watch different kinds of dreck most of the time. Um, so I'm just sitting there watching, you know, uh, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just sitting there watching, like, uh, Metalocalypse or something, hmm. uh, you know, until 4 a.m. And then she's watching Celebrity Apprentice or whatever. So, we, I mean, but together we've got it all covered. But um, I watched America's, uh, I watched Project Runway, and then I watched... Actually, Celebrity Apprentice, because I guess they're only in the second. I guess the second round they've done with that, but the first round was Gene Simmons. So I watched that one. And then I tried to watch America's Next Top Model. And it's like, I just, I found everybody on there. I know that reality shows sometimes, you know, there's the heroes and there's villains and there's people who are kind of painted as, you know, they're supposed to be deliberately kind of off-putting. One Mm -hmm. need only think back to, uh, you know, like that Omarosa woman or whatever from The Apprentice. But I just, man, you watch America's Next Top Model, and I just found myself hoping for a maiming with all of them. I just, I wanted all of them to suffer some sort of a, like an unexplainable rash, uh, you know, where like maybe part of their body would just swell up uncontrollably. One of the girls had uh, like the flesh-eating virus on there once. Really? Mm-hmm. See, that'd get me to watch. What if they, like if they said at the beginning of this, one of these women will get the flesh-eating virus, who will it be? And then they flash from one face to the other as there's like that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun music underneath that like all those gross. shows have. All right. Yeah. That's fantastic. We'll see. That might get me to watch right there. And today I'm really nervous, too, because um, so my landlord's, uh, my, my house that I live in yes. was purchased about six months ago. And my and they're going to be lowering your rent. Yes. That's fantastic. Lowering. 
So I'm going to go home today, and I'm going to have the note taped to my door saying that they raised my rent like $300. Now, do you know that that's the case? Okay, so I know that the apartment upstairs from me, my friend used to live above me, and um, I live in like an older converted house in southeast Portland, and um, my friend who used to live above me, he has this apartment that's about half the size of mine, mm-hmm. and he used to pay like 550 600 for it with all utilities included and that's stuff. That's too cheap. Yeah. Tim, the, the voice of the slumlord weighs in. Well, so I was That's on, giving it away. And it's, it's a pretty tiny apartment. And so I was on Craigslist uh, yesterday um, looking at apartments, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, this apartment, it's on Hawthorne. I'm like, okay, this sounds awesome. This looks familiar. Gonna, and I'm like, wait, that's my address. <laughs> I'm like, wow. okay. And I'm looking at it. It's $900 a month. Wait, so this is so this is your neighbor who has an apartment smaller than yours? Half the size of mine. And they've How raised his rent. They've raised his, I, I don't know. But it's, but it's smaller than yours. One bedroom, two bedroom? One bedroom. And for how much? 900 For Hawthorne? Yes. Yeah. Like, are you kind of like calculating some actuarial table uh, yeah. in your head? Uh, no, I which can means... take out the calculator if you want. Now, does that mean... Now, why would they have raised his rent already if yours hasn't gone up? Because the person who uh, lives above me, I guess, has already put in their notice. Oh, I see. So they can... So they, it's a period of transition so they can exactly. do that. So when did they... So your whole building got bought? So your my whole, building, the whole yeah, house? Yeah, my building was purchased... Um, like about four months ago, and then so the new ta- the new landlords, uh, you know, signed back signed on to the rest of all of our leases. Mm-hmm. So my lease is up today. And then they're going to use that as the chance you think to to raise. So do you, are yes. you anticipating you're going to go home and it's going to be? Mm. Tim's already made. Tim's already believed. He's already convinced that it's going to happen. So oh that's no, I, I know for that me. Especially after yeah, after I saw that thing. So basically, well, I'm going to have to be looking for a new apartment. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry. This seems like a weird time to be raising rent, though. It's. Horrible, and I'm and the woman who um, oh they can't because people can't buy without twenty percent down. But I mean, is that well? Is it, why would they be raising rent now with the, everybody getting uh, screwed by the recession? Is it is it be, be because things are underpriced in the rental market before? But is it is that the people can't get into houses? Right. And so there's more people trying to rent because Correct. they can't buy. Correct. And so it is a renter's market, not a. I thought it was a buyer's market right now. Well, maybe we're. No, well, in other words, we're I mean, thinking buying are two different things. But I mean, in other words, right now, uh, does the economic situation favor someone who has property to rent? Yes. Because there's, because and, everybody and who would have been in a house before can't get into a house, but they still got a place to live. So if you can rent, they rental can, is a short-term commitment as opposed to buying, which is a 30-year commitment. Which people can't really do right Correct. now. Correct. Mm. Right, well, that does unless make you sense. Ha- and, unless you have a stable two-income household, which nobody has right now. Right. So, all right. Well, so there you go. And so, plus, it doesn't help that the that the woman who bought it, like, so, it's a family that bought it, but it's like a. Um, but they're evil. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're nodding at the head. Getting a note. Wow. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm I would totally say that's a, a certainty now, even if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no. no, it's well fine. Done. Like the girl and I don't get along. So basically, so here's the, here's the situation. Mommy and daddy bought a house. Uh huh. Daughter gets to play landlord. Yes. And she's the one that I have to deal with. And like you know those people that you meet in life that you just. Don't click with. You just don't like. You just dislike them intensely. Like, the, I don't even dislike. Her. It's just like you know. You just don't like. You just don't click. That's just. It's just what happened. Like we just. So you're anticipating the shakedown note when you get home. No, today. I know that she just wants me out of there. Uh, well, there can only be one winner, and that's the owner. That's fine. That place is falling apart. You know, I'd like. I don't. Uh, I feel all this class division in the studio I know, suddenly. I, I know, like Tim. You've got to stop I'm talking on, about it, please. I know. I'm on your side. I feel like okay. Right. <laughs> That's so patently unbelievable just now. I'm on your side. I know. God bless you, but you're, you have a beautiful I house and stuff. I'm, I need to find a new place. That convinced so. nobody just now what you said. I, I know. I'm going to be quiet. Oh, my God. Thank like, you. This is like 1917 all over again. It's going to be pitchforks. By the end of the day, there's going to be a, a glorious workers' revolution.
Well, I'm not taking any sides right now. Yeah. You well, started pl- this. Well, plus I like confronted- I just asked how her day was going. <laughs> I didn't do anything. I just came in to try to entertain people. Well, I hate it when people, like, when you ask somebody point blank about something and they, they don't say it to your face. I, I don't asked know her- about that rent situation, yeah, Sarah. We'll get back to you. She was in my uh, in my hallway the other day, and I'm just like, hey, I'm like, hey. With so, a tape measure and a slide rule. Yeah, she was vacuuming and, like, profusely sweating and vacuuming stuff. I'm like, hey, so how much is, uh, like, what am I offended about the rent? Like, is it, you know, how significant is it? She's like, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I not, don't I'm not sure. I, I don't know that. that information like, at this time. I'm like, just tell me. Jeez. Wow. My day was great. I, uh, I, have, I have no complaints. I do have complaints, but now they just seem so petty. I, here's, See, Rick, I, I'm one of the people, though. A lot of people are going through this. Uh, no, it's true. I, all I could say, I didn't. I was supposed to go to the dentist, then I didn't. So you I went just, yesterday. You did go to the dentist, and I got. It's not even that I had a dental appointment yesterday, but I, I missed a. I've missed three dental appointments in a row, not because I've, I've got all my fillings and all my whatever taken care of, and nobody cares about this. But I'm just gonna. Well, I do. Well, I mean, <laughs> the only point I was gonna make. Fillings. Oh well, it, uh, all I was gonna say is this: is. And now it does seem really petty because it's just like sounds like a bad uh, curb your enthusiasm plot or something. I all the only thing I was going to say, the only thing that's going on with my life today, is that last year, the end of 2008. Um, well, let's just say this: at the end of 2008, there was a, there was a sense in the air that uh, things, as unstable as they normally are in radio, there was this sense that things in radio and perhaps at CBS were going to become even more unstable. I felt that. Yes, you did, Tim, <laughs> and acted uh, upon it. And uh, so, and, you know, there's uh, some streamlinings that I was, there was some belt tightening that happened here at CBS and some, uh, we did more with less, uh, specifically this show did more with less for a while. Yes. More with less moon vests, that is. And so, um, anyway, so Tim and I often discussed how by the end of fiscal year 2008, we were trying to get every single piece of dental work done that we could because you never know when you're going to wake up and uh, that healthcare just isn't there anymore. And so I was just getting it. I was like, you need to drill something, fill something, pack something, polish something. Do it now. Get it done. And so it was I got, a race against time. It really, it really, it against the clock, Tim. And I think you got in underneath the wire, and then yeah. I got everything done. And the only thing I I haven't done, I, I, I'm one cleaning that I have yet to yet to finish. There's I I am one cleaning away from having the whole bingo board of my teeth taken care of and finished. But I've missed it three different times now. Because I'll schedule it, and then it's like I get up to it, and I, I keep forgetting to write it down, and so I'll get to 4 o'clock, and then I get the scolding message from the, from the dentist. But it's like, now I can never go back, because I've missed three in a row. <laughs> and now I'm afraid to sit in the chair, because I've screwed the dentist three different times, and now it's, it's like having just shafted him out of other appointments three times, I don't want to go and sit in the chair and have him stick in a big whirring thing into my mouth. So now I have to get a different dentist. I can, I can never return. Oh, yeah, you know what else they find out about the dentist? And not any dentist in particular, but they charge different rates depending on what insurance company they're billing. Is that true? I found that out yesterday because after I was laid off, I went out and bought a private insurance for dentistry, which looked nice on paper, but had all kinds of weasel clauses that only turned out to pay like 10 or 20% on things. And funny, it didn't say that in the original policy. Of course not. Was there an asterisk that was like, benefits will not be honored? So anyway, I, I was presented with a bill and I said... But this charge is much lower than what you were billing my other insurance company. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, depending on what insurance company it is, it is a different fee. Also, they'll just squeeze them for as much as they think the insurance company will possibly pay. Yes. It is America, Tim. I know. It's it's terrible on... Those of us who are the people. At least at uh, at least at, the, at least at this moment, we are still a capitalist society. I mean, who knows? By the end of the day, we could it could be creeping socialism all over again. 
All right, it's 503-733-2970. Just ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. We'll talk about our good friend Rod Blagojevich. We'll have news with Tim Riley later on today. The top five songs by one band about another band and lost in 408. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Is that true, Richie? That's Please tell me you're not just uh, uh, sort of drilling her for that information. All right, Richie wants to know, do her friends really call her Mandy? Well, I guess we'll find out. Right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, Amanda Moyer joining us now on the Rick Emerson Show. Is this true or is this a thing that Richie has made up? Good morning. No, it's true. Um, I told him that because he was joking around and he said Mandy, and I said some of my friends call me that. When you say joking around, do you mean uh, engaging in uncomfortable and off-putting dialogue with you? You can be honest. You can say that. All right. Richie, <laughs> we're going to have a talk after the show about how to deal with guests when they call in. All right. Just uh, what I try to do is, uh, after this call is done, I try to go think about something pleasant to flush all of that out of your brain. I mean, I, uh, my apologies. <laughs> um, so, this Rob Lagojevich is just sort of, you know what he is? He's kind of like... Um, He's kind of like one of the whammies on the Press Your Luck show, where you, you know, like he sort of just shows up every now and again to make things more interesting and entertaining, and then he's gone for a while, and then he, and then he returns, and so here he is today, because I think he was doing a radio show in Chicago or something, on WLS, I think he was doing the midday show for a while, and so, but now it's less radio and more, uh, what do you call it, indictments, uh, because they're getting ready to charge him with something or other. Now, having booted him out of office... I figured that that was going to be kind of the end of it. He was going to go live his life in shame and solitude and despair and depression, but apparently not. So what are they charging him with and when? Well, that's right. He seems to constantly be coming back in the spotlight. The deadline for filing an indictment against Bogoyevich is April 7th. And uh, today is likely the last day that the grand jury that's investigating him will meet. So that's why uh, this indictment could be filed as early as today. And it could be it could be very big too. It's, it could be a lot more than uh, what what we originally thought. Um, of course, it will probably have more details about the alleged selling of the of Barack Obama's former Senate seat to the highest bidder. Also, uh, using his political power to pressure the Chicago Tribune to fire editorial writers after they were calling for his impeachment. And um, actually spoke with a couple of lawmakers in Chicago, and they think it's going to be quite sweeping, and also that more people could be involved. It sort of seems that when they booted him out of office, when he got the uh, when, when he was impeached, and then you know, and he was and he was kicked out, that that all came together so quickly uh, that it went from zero to sixty in what seemed like the blink of an eye. And uh, while I'm certainly not suggesting this is the case, I'm just uh, speculating, this is my outside perspective, that it happened so fast that one almost wondered if they were trying to sort of uh, get everything resolved before anybody else could be uh, kind of outed as having their hands dirty in any of this. So it it does sort of prompt the question, if they press forward with charges against him, are the odds that they're going to turn over some more rocks and find the, you know, and find somebody else in his immediate circle or perhaps uh, an outlier in his circle who's guilty of something? And that's exactly what... uh officials in Chicago are saying, lawmakers, they think that it's going to be uh, more extensive because federal prosecutors have had quite a lot of time to to dig up information, to go back through years of this uh, pay-for-play politics that they believe has been going on. Uh, they had asked for an extension a couple of months ago to further their case, and uh, now we've, he was, this whole thing started on December 9th, so it's been several months, and uh, now the deadline, like I said, is April 7th. I believe that's Tuesday. 
So uh, we'll see exactly what does come out of this. But uh, a lot of uh, speculation in Chicago right now is that uh, this indictment could be filed today. Uh, real quickly, on the General Motors thing, because I guess this is a new this is the new uh, CEO, the guy who's the president of General Motors, Fritz Henderson. The government has taken some sizable chunk of, of General Motors. The government has stepped in with, you know, with, with billions of dollars, and I guess there's billions more on the table if they kind of get their act together. But General Motors, unlike Chrysler, is a publicly traded company. And the thing that we've been trying to figure out for, for several days now, and nobody can really give us an answer on it, is if it's a publicly traded company, General Motors, but the government is the de facto um, if the government is the de facto leadership of the company, does that? I mean, how does that affect you if you are stockholders? Can they, you know, could a majority of the stockholders then get together and tell the Obama administration what to do um, if the Obama administration are acting as the, you know, as sort of part and parcel as the owners of the company? Well, I think because uh, the government doesn't own the majority of the company, that the stockholders would still have a more of a push. But since that, since that it's so much in jeopardy, I think a lot of that hinges on the fact that the stockholders don't have a lot of say because they're, the company's going to keep going down if the government doesn't step in. At least that's the trend that they're on. So I think that kind of lowers their bargaining power a little bit. But uh, this was very interesting that um, when Fritz Henderson was speaking, he's the, as you said, he's the new CEO, that he, he remained optimistic in saying that, you know, these challenges are immense, but we're going to try to move through here. He says they have 60 days to accomplish it now. Well, that. Well, I'll put it this way. He doesn't lack for ambition. I'll give him that. All right. Amanda, <laughs> sure. Amanda Moyer, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. My pleasure. There you go. Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen, don't call her Mandy. The CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. That's awkward. It's 503-733-2970. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. All right. Uh, Sarah, what are, we, are we getting caught up? All right, so Tim, uh, you will have headlines, news, uh, information, and amusements for the people around the corner. Yes, they will. All right, coming up later on today's top five. Top five songs by one band singing about another band. Later on, Lisa Desjardins from Capitol Hill, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week, and uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Stay there. It's Thursday morning. I didn't hear that yesterday. I mean, it's still good advice on a Thursday, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Did you hear your own voice just saying not to exchange blood with a hooker? No. In what context? Wait, in what context was her voice, or in what context should you not exchange blood with a hooker? Exchange blood with a hooker. I would say ever. Oh, in the ShamWow guy. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I believe we have a Brent to thank for that. Thank you. Well done. Thanks, Brent. So you'll hear these sort of... Can you play whatever that was, or is it a rotating cart? It's a rotator, but we could try. Uh, so there was a... We have these things, the rejoins... Uh, their call, which is a, one of those little liners where it identifies the station, and that comes back from a commercial break. So the commercial break ends where the guy says, you know, may cause uncontrollable rash. Uh, and then, now, back to the Rick Emerson show. And Brent has gotten into this thing of doing that, you know, opening the rejoin with, the Rick Emerson show continues, then dropping in a sound effect, which is like Darth Vader, or uh, there was the, uh, what's it, uh, Adam West going, it's great to be back in Portland. And then it closes with the name of the station. The one just now is Sarah. I don't know if you can... Uh... <laughs> The Rick Emerson Show returns. What a catastrophe. This is Rock 101 no. KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. <laughs> I never get told. This is Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. 
This is Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. I think it's this one. He had two. Now this is Michael McKeon. Why he just playing funny? Two and two that he was. Let's just play the whole card. Well, I think there's only like five or six in here. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Now there's more than you think. The Rick Emerson really? Show. Really? Please tell me there's nine minutes worth. <laughs> on Rock 101. Well, now it's become a quest. Now we can't quit. Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101. You know it's going to be the very last one because it just played. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Don't exchange blood with the hooker. There we go. Oh, there we go. This is that was worth all the build-up just to get to it. Fantastic. That is the best one. Well, you know, this uh, the show is not only entertaining, Tim. It does give you valuable life lessons, <laughs> things that you might not otherwise be aware of. All right, ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. So what's the story about this Chinese electric car maker coming here? Well, Governor Kulingowski wants to bring the Chinese to Oregon because they get things done. And they put lead in everything, but they do build things. Say by by things, if you mean uh, if you mean filling uh, filling uh, children's toys with poisons. Yes. Yes. Well, anyway, he wants them to come here and build electric cars. And then there was this revelation that the same Chinese car company wanted to build Chrysler, and it turned out to be. And shame on the uh, Oregonian business page. The only thing left, left worth reading in the paper, it's a little April Fool's joke on their part. But it wasn't funny. But uh, I, I do usually read the business section. Anyway, a story we talked about yesterday toward the end of the show. Remember that plane crash in Newburgh? It turned out to be a man and woman who commute to work every day. They, they commute to work by air. And they land at the Hillsborough Airport, and they work at uh, one of the Intel plants. Well, so this is like, so this was the two or three people, and it was just a little, it was like a little Cessna or something. And it, it was, it was old, and they used it every day. A 1959 Piper PA22 mm. crash in the front yard of a nice house. Well, it was, and so the deal was, they just, they don't know why, but they sort of, they just lost, like blocks power, where they yeah. happened to make an emergency mm-hmm. landing, and they just, they must have, I mean, I say as though I know, but they, they, like the navigation or something was just out, and they just, they hit something on the way down. It, they hit a pole, almost hit somebody's fountain. Mm. And just back on the car thing for a second, because I guess I, I guess you and I are sharing one paper today, Tim, doing more with less. So I don't have the business section, but no. this, but okay, so it's this. But what is the deal? So it's the, the Chinese auto company, or they, where they, they're coming here to build electric cars, but they're also well, going to buy Chrysler. Well, he, he, the governor pitched them to come here and build cars, and then they said, kind of tongue in cheek, that they want to buy Chrysler, and it could be an April Fool's. Oh, here joke. we go. All right, it's at the bottom of the page. No one in the audience of 50 thought to point out that Wednesday was April Fool's Day. Well, that seems it seems like that camp that's the sort of April Fool's joke that'll uh, that'll get you run out of town with uh, mm-hmm. with pitchforks and uh, you know, pitchforks and, and torches and so forth. But I, I do read the business page lately because it tells you more about you, you know, who's getting laid off and who's getting jobs back. You don't find that They ought to just second. have that. I mean, like the obituaries. First of all, I don't know what obituary means. I mean, it's a death notice, but I it's a weird word. I don't even I don't know whence that word derives. But they ought to change Remember, they changed the living section to how we live. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. the business section really ought to be like who's employed and who's not as of Basically, today. Basically, and that's what it's about most days. Today's firings. And then it says here at the bottom, uh, Portland Bay. I didn't know Storables was based here in Portland. That company that just, it's, boy, there's a thriving industry in, in America of just places that make stuff to put your other crap inside. Right, exactly, to get it out of the way. Portland-based Storables Incorporated, which specializes in home and office organization products. Is that what they call that? They they sell boxes of various sizes and shapes. Sometimes they're made out of ceramic, but they're still boxes. Announced Wednesday that it had filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, um, aiming to reorganize its own financial house. Uh, there you go. And then on the front of, we'll get to this later on, but on the front of uh, the How We Live section today, as a matter of fact, did you see this whole 
Boy, you want to talk about a thing that is just designed for the average American reader. It looks like the cover of Maxim. It's not even really an article. It's just a chart. And it looks like one of those things that would be on... Yeah, what's in and what's out. One person made that decision. It, yeah, it looks I like... I read a few of them. Oh, they have those in, like, Cosmo. Yeah. This is a thing that would be a space filler between two articles that you want to read in Blender magazine. Well, apparently they planned for something else. They were in that space and it just fell through. They probably laid the person off who was supposed to write that article. Was it, it was like an evergreen article. Uh, this is on page uh, E1 and of today's... I mean, it takes up a good section of that page. It's big print with lots of big pictures, Tim. Mm-hmm. That's the way you target the uh, American reader in 2009. We'll get to that later. Here's Tim Riley. So a woman in Kissimmee, Florida, calls 911 to tell them she locked herself in her car. I'm sorry, this happened in Kissimmee where, <gasps> no. Tim? Yeah, that's right. Not she even bastard. out of the starting gate. Yeah, you're still <laughs> on the blocks. So the confused 911 operator asked the woman if she tried just pulling up the lock on the door, and apparently the woman had not thought of that. The door immediately opened, and the woman apologizes to the 911 operator. Here is the entire call. Hi. Um, I'm at the corner of Pleasant Hill and John Young Parkway. I'm in a Walgreens parking lot, and my car will not start. I'm locked inside my car. I cannot open my car. I can't get the windows down. Nothing electrical works. The windows. And it's getting very hot in here, and, I, and I'm, I'm not <laughs> feeling well. I'm feeling kind of dumb, actually. I need actually. some help. Just, just, are you able to pull the lock up on the door and open the door? You should be able to just pull the lock up, even if it's electrical. I've tried. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I got that going. Okay. So are you able to get out the car now? Yes, I got the door open. Okay. All righty. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can get AAA or something. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, the best oh, part of wow. the end is how she just realizes there's no real graceful way to exit the call. She's like, I'm going to hang up now if it's uh, okay with all parties involved. Okay, I demand that we find who that woman is. But somebody's the Octo Mom? The, the thing is, somebody's got to know that woman's voice, right? Mm-hmm. That's gonna, oh, yeah. maybe the, the, and you know that that's the sort of thing that's going to get played a billion times today, everywhere. Every, I mean, Anderson Cooper will play that tonight. You, just, you, know, mm-hmm. just, you know in your bones that he'll play that probably five or six times. So I demand that we deduce the identity of the woman who can't figure out how to open her own car door, which which sounds like a joke. I mean, it sounds like uh, it sounds like the sort of thing that uh, when I was growing up in Kennewick, uh, that sounds like the kind of situation someone who is locked inside their own car because they don't have the keys that my father would have used to illustrate what he believed to be the uh, mental deficiencies of one group or another. That's the sort of. Uh, that's the sort of scenario he would have used to underscore his own uh, beliefs about something. That's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Two men and a baby, two Massachusetts men are heroes after they cut a baby that fell 40 feet from a window from the top floor of the house. Don't you mean from a window? Window. window. Yeah. One of the men, uh, Alex Day, said he and Robert Lemire got there just seconds before two of the baby siblings dropped the baby out the window. Dropped the baby. Well, when I had come out of the room where I was, I saw Robert and I asked him what was going on because I thought there was a fire originally. And he said that there was a baby dangling, so I ran to the side of the house and I saw her hanging from her two siblings. And uh, one had one arm and the other had the other arm. So Robert and I just ran right underneath her and no less than one second, two seconds later, the two siblings would just let go. And we were just there in the nick of time. Wait, where was this? Massachusetts. I thought in I thought they were good people in Massachusetts, Tim. There are a couple of bad people. Here. Is that the is that crime from the rest of the country that's making its way to, uh, to I, the colonies? I, I believe it's uh, the example that Michael Jackson sets. 
But this is the first case of baby dangling I remember. But so it's the kids, right? It's not. Yeah. It's not like it, each it, held an arm of the baby. Okay, that's a weird thing. Are the uh, let me are the kids the siblings that were dangling the baby? Are they twins? Because sometimes don't you assume that twins like half of them? Uh, I don't mean half. The of troublemakers. Like the, yeah, but I mean like, like if you were to take sets of twins, of all the sets of twins, about half those sets are evil. I mean I always just assume that tw- if you have let's say a brother who's twelve and a brother who's thirteen or a brother who's ten and eleven. If you take them and you compare them to, let's say, twin brothers, you got to figure that the twin brothers are always going to be. There's going to be a higher percentage of just mental defects there, and they're going to, you know, they're going to end up being like, it's like a Tomax and Zaymot kind of a thing where they're going to be supervillains because that's a like they had to agree on that at some point. Yeah, they had to figure out what what shall we do with the baby? Well, we could dress it, we could burp it, we could take it for. Let's drop it out a window, and they had to. Then they had to figure out how they were going to lift the baby, from which window they were going to dangle the baby, who was going to get what arm. And then they had to let go at the same time. It must have been premeditated. There's a level of premeditation there that I find off-putting. I mean, even beyond the uh, even beyond the obvious uh, sort of weird factor of the kid actually being dropped. The father walks into the room just as the baby fell. No, I didn't. I, I just, it was like split seconds. Like, as soon as I came in the room, like he said, it was like a matter of three, four, five minutes, you know, that I was going back and forth into rooms as soon as I came back in. You know, I see my two hanging out the window, and I didn't see her, so it was like probably... That second, that when, second when that it was happening. Her. And then right, like, two seconds later, he comes upstairs and he's holding my daughter. Do they have, now, is that a deal where they have, um, do they have the kids in a room somewhere and they're just kind of trying to beat the story out of them? Yes, probably. Oh, uh, well, I, you know, that's a, that's the sort of thing you got to try to, uh, you got to try to figure out. Right. Well, apparently they were throwing toys out the window first and they ran out of toys. A baby is not a toy. All right, well, let's get caught up here. Ahead, more news with Tim Riley later on. Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. We'll have today's top five. We have the top five songs by one band singing about another band. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. I honestly don't know the answer to that. I'll listen to the whole thing. It's called Crotch Lake. Crotch Lake, Ontario. But I mean, it's not a real place, right? I don't... It could be. I'm going to Google Crotch Lake, Ontario right now. Uh, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. I realize now there's no context that would make uh, that is sort of explainable. So let me just... Hold on. Let me, let me Crotch Lake. Crotch Lake. Hey, there is a Crotch Lake, Ontario. Is there? All right, so Sarah, just now... Yesterday we were playing this sort of um, zany show prep material, alleged from a show prep service that we will not identify. But apparently it is a real service that offers uh, real prepared comedy and amusements for uh, radio shows that, I guess, I guess it's for the, if you are either just perpetually coming into work late, or maybe you actually don't have humor of your own, you can just sort of use their comedy. And by comedy, I mean like ancient ass uh, porky pig sound effects, which don't even sound real, incidentally. I was listening back to that yesterday, and I'm making the call right now that it's not even Mel Blanc. That's like a, that is a guy who got a gig there because he kind of sounds like Mel Blanc. And so they just got him into a studio and he just it voiced a bunch of things that sound like Looney Tunes sound effects, which they then put up on this show prep service. You know, so in case you want to be doing a radio show for 1984, you have something that you can be uh, downloading. So there's a parody song about a place called Crotch Lake, Ontario. It's not so much a, a song as it is just kind of a... Like is a it a series of, of zany about puns about, like... If you know that it is. If you're going to be entering the Crotch Lake area, you want to keep an eye out for... Yeah. I'm looking here. It says, uh, Crotch Lake is, in fact, in Canada. It is near Charbot Lake. Uh, it is 4,100 acres. The shoreline is rocky. And the average depth of Crotch Lake, 
See, now I'm doing it. Now just reading the ad, and I'm just reading this off uh, of Google, by the way. Just reading the, the actual facts about Crotch Lake. I sound like a jackass morning show. I guess the average uh, depth is 28 feet. Maximum depth, 106 feet. There you go. It is a fresh Please don't ever do that. That's not even close. No, see, it's not. It doesn't sound anything like Mel Blanc. So in just a bit, and Sarah just passed me a note about something else that's on this this morning show prep service. Is this true? What you wrote down on this post-it note? It is so true. Is it just as good as I imagine? If by good you mean like horribly offensive and not funny? Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> Tim Riley's working on the following stories on this uh, Thursday morning. Police are looking for the puppy bandit. She's five foot four, one hundred eighty pounds. Oregon liquor prices go up. Liquor. A new federal tax credit gives you an extra $10 a week in your paycheck. But if you're unemployed, you get $25 extra. So, so, there's that, so unemployment has gone up? Yes, it did a few weeks ago. You just got to think about how the unemployment is now bracketed into three different tiers. But it really just means that they know you're not going to get a job for like three years. Mm-hmm. Because there's the, it's like 33 weeks of unemployment. And then there is, I think on top of that, maybe like an additional 26 weeks of so-called emergency unemployment. There, it, well, it starts at 26. And then there's 13 more. And then in worst-case scenarios, there's, there's a little bit more if you play your cards right. You know, you, it's amazing how you knew that without even having to look it up. Oh, yes. It's, it's happened so many times. How can I not know? You just had that knowledge at your fingertips, Tim. I, I really did, yes. It's like, you were, uh, it's like you were up late one night studying all of those figures just in case they should ever come in handy. Mm-hmm. All right. They've come in handy on numerous occasions. But they're basically acknowledging with that, right, that you're not going to get a job for a year and a half. Or they, they, or they are at least anticipating the fact that you may not be getting a job. They, they try to encourage you to look for non-existent jobs. Well, and especially if you are, I, I think it was you that told me this. Was it you that said you went to the unemployment office and they were asking what you did? And you said, I'm a radio broadcaster. And they just sort of shook their head sadly. Well, and, what happens is they give you, a, you go to this meeting, kind of like a pep rally type of thing. <laughs> is it really filled with pep? <laughs> it really is. It's full of, of despair <laughs> and, and stained furniture. The, uh, <laughs> The sadness gathering will be today at 12.15. Sack lunch provided. So before you get there, they make printouts of um, prospective jobs in your area of employment. So everybody gets one when they come in. And uh, sure enough, for the most part, there are openings for people to apply to in their field. And I got mine, and it was empty. Just a big blank page filled with pain. <laughs> and so the woman comes around checking in. Good, good. Oh, what field are you in? Oh, and there was no further assistance available. Did she, my, did she even give you like a token? Ah, we're sorry about that. She kind of like huh? smiled and walked off with no explanation <laughs> offered, and they never asked me to come back. Do you, want, <laughs> do you wonder if... Well, it's kind of nice. At least they weren't forcing you. Is that that thing where like, you know, like you watch an episode of MASH or something where they're you're walking along and they'll look at the patient's chart and they kind of look at each other and you see them just making a small red X next yeah. to the name and just sort of, <laughs> nothing more can be done. I'll just give him all the morphine he wants and then they just move on. Oh, I'm sorry about that. All right, so unemployment has been the unemployment has been extended, and they are raising your unemployment benefits, Fantastic. which is good. And you can uh, make your claims online. Just do it on a Sunday morning while you're waiting to make breakfast, and you're done in like five minutes. You know, I, I that is just some of the sweetest money you'll ever uh, you'll ever have in your life. And I it, I'm not encouraging people to abuse the system. I'm just saying if you are because I know people who have gotten fired and they don't want to take unemployment because they're somehow embarrassed by it. Right. And my whole thing is like, everybody, oh, that's your free money, right? What's it? People paying You've been the, paying for free it, money. Right? Spoken like a true American, by the way. <laughs> that was America's full of free money right now. If you find it in the right place, you sounded just like my grandmother free right money. there. Uh, the my, my my grandmother man, if it's like if the check was like five minutes late, uh, whatever it is, like her, I guess she would get like a social security check or something. Man, if it was like twelve oh two and that check wasn't in the mailbox, she was getting ready to get on the phone to yell at somebody about that. But 
I know people who they direct work, deposit. You don't even have to worry about it. Do they do direct deposit with like I'm already I planning sure for the next round? By yes, the way. I had it. I'm, I'm already making a, a checklist for the next time I have It'll to do it. Your account by Tuesday if you call on Sunday. I know people who were sort of embarrassed uh, to do it though. They no, were just like, well, I don't. It's uh, humiliating to get uh, to get unemployment. I'm like, uh, really? There's nowhere else. If you really think about the amount of work you have to do to get unemployment insurance, I mean, first of all, you have to because it's based on the amount of time you're at the job, right? Yes. The initial or the total lump sum that they are giving you installments from, that is based, there's a formula based upon how long you have been employed. I don't even think it's it, a one it is job. the highest paid quarter in the past year. And then they extrapolate out from that? Yes. And so really what you have to do, I mean, unless they've changed the system somehow, you just got to call in like once a week for like five minutes. Or maybe you, you don't, don't have to call, call in, you, you just go online. online. Go see, online. That's, see, that's the sweetest plum right there. It really is. You just go in as long as you got your social security. Did you look for work? Sure. I look for work constantly. No, 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 no. My new job is finding a job, miss. Uh, you just fill out the whole thing saying that you're you know, not sitting on your the, the big fat American ass. It's like a half dozen questions. And then a check arrives magically in the mail. And here's the other thing about unemployment. Those checks arrive on time. I never had an unemployment check arrive late. So that's uh, man, you, can, you, you can just set your watch by that. Good times. All right, here's Tim Riley. What were we talking about? I don't know. Well, the were... rest of the headlines. Yes. Uh, Netflix delivers its two billionth movie. Another Octo Baby goes home. Get ready for bridge closures this weekend as the race for the roses is held. A man who uh, fails to rob a liquor store sits down inside and cries after the owner locks him in. Fantastic. <laughs> all right, all that's on the way, including Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Later on, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week, Lost in 408, and we'll do today's uh, top five. Which is the top five songs by one band singing about another band. Oh, I got this hick watch to give you as well, uh, Tim. So I'll, I'll give you this. Oh, and we should probably at some point, just speaking of uh, speaking of unemployment, this may or may not even be interesting. What is it, that list? This is the uh, this is from the uh, Today's Oregonian. This is the front of the How We Live section. And editor Joan Carlin. I wonder if Joan Carlin is any relation to Peter Carlin. I wonder if Peter Carlin is writing now under a different name. That's I wonder, what I was thinking. I wonder if Peter Carlin is now single-handedly writing the entire How We Live, which, by the way, is... Really, just more of a leaflet at this point. Well, that's how we live. I mean, <laughs> how do we live? I mean, I will say we, that... We've downsized. I, the downsizing does appear to be very good for the environment, by the way, because I can't even fathom how few trees it takes to make the Oregonian at this point. For some reason, I could see Peter Carlin writing under a woman's pen name. Couldn't you, though? Couldn't mm-hmm. you see him just and uh, writing some sort of a completely... Like sitting in a corner, like smearing lipstick on his face. That's creepy. I mean, what? Like Steve... I'm sorry, I was thinking of like Steve Buscemi from uh, Happy... No, not Happy Gilmore. What's the other one? But just Peter Carlin is writing a completely scatological advice column of some kind. <laughs> so this is from the front of the Oregonian. It's called The Frill is Gone. It says, habits may be hard to break, but the troubled economy is making us all examine. There is now a new industry that is just people telling you about how bad all the industries are around them. And how to find non-existent jobs. Did what you, you need to do. God, did you see this thing the other day? It was on CNN. They were... I mean, I know that, like, if you call, like, an advice show, like, if you call it, you see, there's people that call Dr. Laura, even if she's still on the air, and I don't even know that she is. Does Dr. Laura still have a radio show? I think she is, yeah. What, what's that station that plays talk shows for old people? I can't think of the station. All of them, Tim? Yes. Uh, if you, <laughs> Basically. But you hear these jackasses that will call up Dr. Laura, and it's, it's not really her fault. I mean, she's, you know, she's making a dollar like everybody else. But these people call up, and... I don't know, they get about 15 seconds into the call where they have described some horrific situation that obviously has a lot of sides and there's many layers to it. And it's like they get the third sentence out and she has already just come to the, you know, one of, one of her five predetermined conclusions, all of which end up that it's the woman's fault, by the way. It doesn't matter. What happened? Well, uh, my husband attempted to shove my feet into our paper shredder. Help. Well, why did he do that to you? 
What did you do wrong? What, what are your failings as a woman and a wife that caused him to do that? But so Dr. Laura will get to one of her uh, sort of stock responses to whatever the person's problem is. And then you can tell that the person has nothing resolved. It's a completely unsatisfying resolution. And they hang up the phone and you ask yourself, like, well, what did you really expect when you called up and, you, you know, you were going to be talking to somebody for, I don't know, probably 45 seconds before they just passed judgment in your entire life? So I love Anderson Cooper and I love CNN, but they were doing a variation on this the other day where there was like some sort of a town hall meeting where Anderson Cooper is kind of, he's at a desk and then they have an audience of people, all of whom have just been fired from various jobs. And then they have one of those guys you're just talking about, about how to reinvent yourself in this new economy. And some woman stands up in the audience and she says, something like she was a lawyer making like $350,000 a year and her law firm doesn't have as much business because the corporations they represent don't have, uh, you know, as many contracts and agreements to go through because they don't have as many employees anymore. So it's the whole, you know, it's the ripple effect thing. And she's like, well, I was making 350000 She said, and I was living. It, it, essentially, the, the the question was that she was making like four hundred grand a year, but was spending just that much because that's what Americans do. How much do you spend? Well, as much as I make. And she had no no savings to speak of, no real job prospects to speak of. And this guy gives her a completely unrelated anecdote about another guy he knew that was working at like, I don't know, like an auto factory or something. But this guy realized that he really liked jigsaw puzzles. In fact, he'd loved jigsaw puzzles his entire life. And you know what he does now, miss? He makes jigsaw puzzles in his garage, and he sells them at a local craft show. <laughs> so that's just one example of something you can do to turn this negative into a positive. And then everybody applauds, and Anderson Cooper says, that's really great. Uh, no, those are that's great advice. I mean, that's really, uh, you have to look outside the box for these things. Next... And just as the camera is getting ready to cut away from the woman, like as the guy is hitting the switch to go to camera five or whatever, you see the look on her face that is just the very definition of like a WTF kind of a thing. Where you realize that not only did he not help her, he gave her, I mean, it was just the, like the most useless advice you could put in jigsaw puzzles. What, the, what are you supposed to do with that? There's that You can't apply that to anything. There is no demonstrable use for that advice. So there's a whole industry just writing about how everybody else has it bad. This says on the front of the Oregonian, with layoffs and furloughs in seemingly every industry, who hasn't had to cut something? Some would even say good riddance to our age of excess. No one is saying that. Here's That's another fiction, by the way. The No, 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 I really, uh, it really was the best thing. I was able to simplify and streamline my life. And then they pull back and the guy's, you know, he's sitting next to Steve Martin in the opening credits of The Jerk. Here's a light look, says this article, at how life in the North, I guess, because there's nothing lighter than unemployment stories. There's nothing that'll bring a hap, hap, happy smile to your face like uh, tales of how you've had to cut your expenses by 80%. Here's a light look at how life in the Northwest is shaking out in these lean times. And then it is the what's in, what's out kind of a thing, but it's the unemployment version. I will read a handful of these. Out with the old, the old being a pint of organic microbrew made from locally grown hops. And then in with the new, which is Pabst Ribbon, of course. Out with the old, which is store-bought cleaning supplies. Store-bought is a phrase, by the way, that always makes you sound like a rube. And I say it, too, because there's really no other, like, there's no other way to describe something. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll talk about, you know, I had a cake. Was it made? No, it was a store-bought cake. And it makes you sound like one of the clampets, but there's just no other phrase that works as well. Apparently, store-bought cleaning supplies are on the wane. What whereas do you do instead? Sarah, use vinegar and water. Oh, gross. Mm-hmm. I think that's for... That just makes everything smell. And isn't that like a... I hate to ask this, but isn't that like a... Isn't that like a douching kind of a thing? Isn't that the... Uh... 
Isn't like vinegar? I mean, isn't that like a like you're just cleaning everything with Massengill? Well, whatever. Uh, apparently, iTunes is out. Apparently, free music podcasts are in. Cable TV. This is completely uninteresting. There's nothing. And it takes up half the page. There's nothing compelling about this at all. I got about three deep into this, and I realized that this is just a. This is completely without entertainment value. You know, this won't make it onto a morning prep service. In no way will it. Oh, although before we, we break, before we break, we should do this. So Sarah handed me a note. In this should we do the crotch leg or should we do the note that I handed? Let's never play the crotch leg thing. Okay. Sarah handed me a note during the last segment and it said, I'm just going to read this verbatim. It says, oh, sweet baby Jesus, this prep service is pure gold. And I'm reading this now off. the. This is, I'm just reading this word for word because this is apparently an accurate description of some of the comedy offered uh, by this morning prep service. Apparently there is a section called, quoting now from the prep service itself. This morning prep service offers a bit called Little Puppets, Mexican Word of the Day. So not so much a Spanish Word of the Day as it is Little Puppets, Mexican Word of the Day. It's kind of like people trying to be Cheech and Chong. Because there's a real done well. Call for, there's just, Little Puppets a pretty tough sounding name. There's just not a there's just not enough of that humor uh, these days, Tim. So this is direct from a morning prep service. This and is, there are actually uh, two versions of it. There's the there's the version um, just the normal one. There's also the phone version where it sounds it, like Little Puppets on the phone. Oh, is this like so I could do a one sided interview with him? Yes. Does it have the script for that? No. I mean, oh. it no, it isn't a one sided interview. It's just Little Puppet talking about the word of the day. But it's just him talking over the phone. Well, no. There's a, there's a clean one of. Him just saying it, and then there's one that makes him sound like he's on the other end of a phone. Right, but is that so I can pretend that Little Puppet is a person that I'm actually speaking with? I don't know. All it says is, here's a phone version of Little Puppet's Mexican word of the day. Oh, well, let's just start with the phone version. Okay. I don't know. And so for people but who... Because they're the same one, though. And just to give a little background here, so if you... Uh, this is a thing that I get... I, I don't know. It's probably known to some degree I think, these days, but they don't really... Radio shows, I think, don't really talk about this a lot, but there are, I mean, probably even now, just dozens and dozens and dozens of services where all they do is every day they just send out 40 or 50 or 60 pages of jokes and things to, and one-liners and gags and puns uh, uh, to, you know, to use on your show. And sometimes, for various formats, they'll actually send out, they'll send out these things called phone uh, starters sometimes, and a phone starter is a question that you're supposed to bring up casually on the show as though it were just a thing that occurred to you, and then you ask the audience to weigh in on it with their thoughts. So you'll... Uh, like a phone starter would be something like this. I'm just making this up, but this is this is the sort of thing that would be on a morning prep service where it would be, uh, uh, you know. So uh, so I went home last night, and uh, you know everybody's got a bathroom, and uh, so uh, my how wife relatable. my wife is in there, and you know she's putting the toilet paper on, and you know how you uh, you know there's two ways to put the toilet paper on. You can uh, you can put it over, you can put it under, and my wife. She was putting the toilet paper under, you know, where it's uh, it's going out the uh, you know, the back, and the uh, you know the new paper isn't in the front. And I said, well, you can't do that. You, you've got to put the uh, you got to put the paper over the top. It's got to be in the front. And then ten minutes later, we were we were still arguing about it. And uh, I think this is a real. Uh, I think this is a difference between men and women, Sarah. I think that uh, women, in my experience, they put uh, they put toilet paper coming out the back, and men always roll it over the top. Have you have you noticed that that's the case, guys? Am I right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh. So, uh, hey, if you, uh, if you and your old lady have, uh, if you've had some sort of a, a fight or you have a, a disagreement about how to roll your toilet paper, that's, uh, we'd like to hear about it. Our, uh, our hit lines are open. Call us now. And then, like, you have four minutes of uh, jackasses calling up and talking to you about toilet paper rolling. So, apparently, a variation on this is 
Little Puppets Mexican Word of the Day. So let's just play the phone version here, okay. and then we'll come back uh, on the other side, and we'll do some more. So this uh, would be a thing that you would introduce. This. I don't even know how it would be introduced, but we'll just play it uh, cold. Okay. Hey, Hans, it's Little Puppet, wow. and today I'm going to teach you some Spanglish with Little Puppets Mexican Word of the Day. Orale. This is for all of you who didn't pay close enough attention in Spanish class, Hans, and have never been in a tequila-fueled bar fight, Hans. Wow. Right, here we go. Today's word is for all of those homeboys with dorky names, eh? It's Herman. Here it goes in a sentence so you could understand it better. Hey, Ese, Maria gets around so much, Hans. If you want to know who that baby's daddy is, you're going to have to DNA test all her men, Hans. Get it? You're going to have to DNA test all her men? And I think that's like the whole neighborhood, Ese. Orale, Hans. This is much funner than wow. Spanish class, que no? Tune in next time to improve your Spanglish skills with me, Hans. Little puppet. <laughs> and I'm out. A rato. Good God almighty. So Little Puppet is desired enough because there's not one but two Little Puppets. I, but why Why does it sound like it's on the phone? It, it, it just, we have to there's play a the phone whole thing, version, and then there's also the, the clean version, which is the same thing. But you just play just a little bit of the other version so we can... Hey, Hans, it's Little Puppet. It's like he's in the studio with me. I'm teach you some Spanglish with Little Puppets. Is Mexican that low, word of the day. low rider playing in the background? Oh my God. Orale. This is for all of you who didn't pay close enough oh, please, attention. Please you can turn off Little Puppet now. Why would? What is the deal with it being on the phone though? Is that so? It, because it's not even interactive. Because sometimes, the, like in radio, there'll be those the so-called one-sided interview. And it's where a it's, phone version in all caps. Like it's just where it's just the answers, and then so it can sound like you're interactive. Like I have a phone interview with um with ACDC at home. It's on a it's on a record actually. It's on vinyl, and it's just the answers. So that you can then say, so Angus Young from ACDC, tell me, do you like to rock? And then he goes, no, I love, I love to rock. We all love it. And he goes, that's great. That's No, that's wonderful. How, you know, what is your favorite song to play? And then he goes, oh, we love all of them. So you can sound like you're conducting the interview. But this isn't even that. Like, there's not even any interplay. It would just be me saying, hey, let's go to the phones. Hey, uh, is this our good friend, Little Puppet, joining us on the hit lines here this morning? Hey, Hans, it's Little Puppet. <laughs> So I guess I couldn't even do that. This is how bad I am. I don't even know how to introduce the bit because I guess that he's giving his own name. Wait, hold on. Tim, how would you introduce Little Puppet? And not all Little Puppet. No, that oh, that also doesn't. Hey, Hans, it's Little Puppet. No, see why that doesn't... Is Little Puppet code for something? Am I am I missing something there? All right, well, let's, let's never play that again. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Ahead, Tim Riley has more news for you later on. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. And the top five songs written by one band about another band. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Oh, by the way, just in case you're playing the home game, here's another woman ruined. How I Met Your Mother star Allison Hannigan and her husband, actor Alexis Denisoff, have welcomed a daughter. Oh, I saw that. I was going to turn rub it in your face. Nice. Her rep tells people, well, I don't need to care anymore. That's the thing. Like, I can, I can just take her off the list. The girl is named Satyana Denisoff and was born March 24th. Hannigan's 30. She's 35? Wow. Allison Hannigan. Uh, so, John, how I met your mother, but uh, she's uh, probably most famous, at least to... She's most famous. To me, she'll always be Willow Rosenberg. She was Willow on um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's the first job for Hannigan and Denisoff, 43. And Han- and he played, uh, what's his name, Wesley. Um, 
the uh, you know the watcher, the guy that comes over from the what? I don't know. No one cares. He was. I'm really confused. Uh, <laughs> he Alexis Denisov played. Uh, his name was Wesley. I think he was the guy. He was the watcher that came over from the Watchers Council in Britain to supervise Giles' handling of Buffy in Sunnydale because she was rebelling against the Watchers Council. Anyway. Oh, that guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Let's see. Uh, they met on the set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer during the 99-2000 season. They were married at the two punchable. Anyway, the, well, the point is you don't have to care about her anymore because apparently that's because uh, that never comes back. That's just uh, some of those. Uh, some things don't snap back. So I was going to say, some of those sweaters don't regain their form no matter how hot the water you wash them in. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Just when you need it the most, the price of a bottle of liquor in Oregon goes up by 50 cents. It's only temporary, though, until June 30th. That's a lie. Until they make $1.5 million, which you expect to do. Wait, so it only goes up till June or until they make until 1.5? Until June 30th. Well, they expect to, to make that money by then. But see, doesn't that just seem... That just seems patently untrue. That they're gonna. When is the last time the government ever lowered the rate of something? When they you know, they raise it because if they you'll pay fifty cents, why would they ever put it back to uh, you know? Th- th- they're just gonna count on the fact that everybody's gonna be so drunk they won't notice, yeah. right? That's the deal. So mm-hmm. all right, well your booze is gonna be booze is more expensive. And didn't cigarettes just go up uh, this week? Yes, yeah, all the bad things that people like. Hey, here's a good question. I wonder if. Do you suppose the price of uh, prostitution has stayed the same? I wonder how that has changed in this economy. Because we're talking about how rent is, paradoxically speaking, uh, rent is sort of going up even as people have less money and less job security because, because, because that sort of manifests itself in people not being able to buy a home. So they got to rent. So even though they are in a less stable position, they're more likely to be renting a place to live because they are not able to buy a place to live. So they are in that middle. You know, it's like those people who live at a hotel all the time, or in a motel. Because like, you, know, you always ask yourself, like, who are these people that have monthly rates at a hotel? And it's people who, you know, they're not completely destitute, but they don't have, like, first and last month's rent or whatever. So, and they're stuck there. Yeah, so you yeah. you got that that's going on. You've got the price of booze that is going up. You've got the price of cigarettes that just went up. I wonder what the price of prostitution, if it's, if it's going up or if it's going uh, down because people don't. I mean, you would think that that maybe is a luxury item in some way. Because somebody told me Not that... Not to the ShamWow guy. He paid a thousand bucks. Yeah, I don't think he uh, felt he got his money's worth, though, Tim. I wonder if strippers are doing as well. He seemed like an unsatisfied customer. Actually, it's funny. You should ask that, Tim. There are always openings for strippers. There are all... Yes, there are, More Tim. More ways than one. He's <laughs> <laughs> a little puppet. All right. The I'm gonna. Everybody was saying that in the hallway. Every every single Everyone's person I strippers in the hallway. No, every single person I passed was like, uh, was greeting me with a uh, good morning, Holmes. You know, or, are there any openings for strippers or whatever around? it is? Um, well, there's always room for stripping. About six weeks ago, maybe. Um, in this. Uh, so, in addition to this very fine radio program, uh, I host the show Outlook Portland, uh, which is on. Portland CW, uh, Sunday mornings, and this is sort of a... Uh, it's Gossip a, Girls Network. Yes, it is, Tim. That's exactly right. It is the network of... I've so you're of, the one tree hill of local television. <laughs> yes, I am. And that's. I was going to try to come up with a better reference, but that really is the best one possible. Well done. It's the same thing, basically. It's a look at issues facing the Portland community. So, uh, But a, a few weeks ago, I did this, uh, this episode about like, Portland. We were talking about recession-proof economies, and we had a bartender... We had uh, a guy who runs a pawn shop, and we had somebody else, like a cop, I think, and then uh, a stripper. And and what was so great about it, by the way, is during that we were in the green room before the show, and I was trying to be, you know, you're trying to be sort of gracious. And I said, um, how would you like me to describe your profession? Would you uh, are you a dentist? She goes, I'm a stripper. And I said, so you don't, uh, no, uh, you're not a dentist. She goes, no, 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 stripper. 
or peeler, if you'd prefer. I'm so, a clothes dancer. No, <laughs> and, and she just like she had no illusions about it. It was so great. And, and at one point, you gotta respect that when someone's like aware of what they're doing. No, she just yeah, she didn't have any sort of you know because you say I know here's the thing I know actual dancers who get really 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 pissed at strippers who call them, and I'm not passing any judgment. I'm just saying. It's like if you own a pair of tap shoes or something at home, you probably take a little umbrage uh, when some uh, chesty girl is uh, talking about, no, 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 I'm a dancer, too. You know, for a dollar, you can see my, you, you can own my shame. Um, but so, so, so I'm talking to this stripper, and she at one point said the greatest thing. She goes, you know what? She goes, uh, I'm hot, and I like to make money. What, you know, it's not a crime. And I was just like, okay, you know what? Good for you. That is, uh, that is what America's all about. But she said that the, it had not changed at all. She said that the amount of tips were the same. Guy, the number of guys were coming in was the same. She hadn't noticed any. The only difference was that guys who would come in, they were buying fewer alcoholic drinks. And it was difficult. You know, and they do that thing where it's like, would you like to buy the girl a bottle of whatever? Would you like to buy the girl a glass of orange juice for like $16? And that is, that is actually more difficult to do. I guess the, getting the guys to pay for the strippers is still is just as easy as it ever was. Trying to get them to pay for anything above and beyond that is, I think, a little challenging. So I don't really know the answer to that. But uh, that was her take on it. Two CBS stories. First, the recession claims the guiding light. It's been on the air for 72 years, believe it or not, going back to the old days of radio, premiered on NBC in 1937, then switched to television to CBS June 30th, 1952. It's going to go off the air this September because, I guess, not enough people are watching soap operas anymore. Soap operas are a thing that seem to have outlived their usefulness so long ago. Don't get me wrong. I'm a team player. Family circus. High and lowest. No, I'm taking a nap. Exactly it. When I'm taking a nap, um, you know, early in the afternoon, like, it's either all it is is, like, a soap opera or some, like, Jerry Springer with people screaming at each other or some judge show. So I've been starting to watch. I don't know, like, I don't understand who they are or anything, but I've started to watch soap operas. Do you think soap operas are sort of like comic books for women in that you had to follow it since 1937 to be up on it? That's ex- exactly right, where you just, you have no idea what's going on unless you've been, the, unless you've been tracking the sort of story arc for the past 15 years or something. I would imagine it takes, I mean, I... It's it's simpler now, I guess, because of the internet. But I mean, it, in the pre-net era, it must have just been impossible to figure out. I can't imagine how long it took people to get up to speed on what was happening in a soap opera, you know, fifteen or twenty years ago. I just I have no idea how you would even have gotten up to speed. And I'm a I'm a team player. I support CBS, but one does wonder exactly how that show stayed on the air this long. It must have just been inertia, yeah. or they just couldn't, or they just, or it was somebody's. You know what sometimes happens at television networks um, is where there is the guy who runs the whole network. And there's a show that his wife is either a fan of or not a fan of. I'm thinking of, was it William Paley's wife that loved Gunsmoke? Uh-huh. And so it just stayed on the air forever, even though I don't think it got any ratings for a long time, but it's William Paley's wife, he was the, you know, the head of CBS. His wife loved Gunsmoke, and so it was just never going to be canceled. It was just known you couldn't get rid of it. Um, but Guiding Light has been on forever, and I think General Hospital is still on the air, but they canceled yeah. something else. I think they canceled um, Passions. I don't think Passions is on Passions. anymore. And I think that hasn't bo- been good since Timmy. Come on. That's right, because when the, yeah, once the evil puppet dies, not to be confused with the little puppet, uh, you know, once the ventriloquist dummy is dead, you got nothing. I think the bold and the beautiful has been gone for a long time. There's um, there was something else they canceled a few years ago, but soap operas. Santa Barbara was very popular w- when the uh, wall came down in Eastern Europe. All the old communist countries, everybody was watching Santa Barbara, and it was dubbed in every language imaginable. It is so there. Uh, it, there is this sort of holy trinity there of. Um, yeah, the rest of us has been on forever. There's Young and the Restless, which has been on. There's game shows, which sort of I think game shows probably do really well now because they do they serve as some sort of um, like an economic wish fulfillment for people probably. 
I, mean, I have so many friends who have never purchased lottery tickets before, and now everyone's like all about scratch-its and lotto tickets, and you're at game shows. Game shows are the same way, because it is the, uh, you know, because it's like an insert yourself here mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And now, because the new, see, now I'm doing the Oregonian thing, talking about the economy and the recession. Well, but you trying to be relevant. It, that's what I'm trying to do, Tim. Uh, the, uh, because so rather, instead, instead of inserting yourself into some weird, like, romantic love triangle or something on, uh, uh, you know, on a soap opera, it's, it's like imagining yourself being able to get a new blender. Here's Tim Riley. So here's part desk. two of the CBS story. I don't know if anybody watched this last night except for me, but on CBS, it was their April Fool's Day prank show called I Get That A Lot. What they did is they put celebrities in regular people's jobs. We had Heidi, uh, Heidi Klum, Leanne Rimes, Mario Lopez, uh, and the segment I saw was Jessica Simpson working in a computer store and with a laugh track. So she back, bashed into the door with a computer, and howls of laughter came from the audience. And every time she took a step, more howls of laughter, and I have a clip from it. So, so this, let's just, let's just back up for one second here. So the, what is it called? I get that a lot. I get that a lot, featuring celebrities oh, I see. pranking everyday people. I see. Oh, Aren't, good because ordinary jobs, these celebrities confuse customers who can't decide if it's the actual celebrity or an astonishing look-alike. I, so they picked Jessica Simpson. Because there's so many astonishing Leanne Rimes lookalikes out there. <laughs> Basically, you have to do is burn yourself with cigarettes and exercise. I wish Mario Lopez would just go away. He won't. I thought he was on that uh, that that uh, show that was like the male version of The View, or is that even on the air anymore? The oh, other God, half no. or the other side, whatever it was called? like 10 years ago. Really? Yeah, we used to watch that when we were back at Fisher. Oh, oh, that's when Dick Clark could still speak correctly. Dick that's, Clark was on there. Right? I forgot all about that. And Danny Bonaducci, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It was a male version of The View. It was the other half. Yeah, the other the half. The other side. There's a joke there with Dick there, Clark's there face, is. but I'm not going to make it. Uh, so this is the deal where you you look like Jessica Simpson. I get that a lot. And then right. wackiness ensues. So this is Jessica Simpson working in a computer store? Yes. Because she's dumb. All right. Here we go. Uh, wait a minute. Let me fix my volume here. Do, 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 do. Okay. So there's something wrong with my hard drive, and they recommend a you. So me personally? No, no. This oh, okay. <laughs> so I need to extract data from the hard drive. So she's waiting on a customer. She's totally confused. And she's writing with chalk on the Mac. Yeah, it's going to be like two to three months, actually. Three months? Yeah. Really? Because I called you two to three days. We just changed days a month. Sorry. It's a cute hat. I like your hat. What's the L stand for? So this is her talking to a customer. (laughs) This is before they put in the laugh track. (laughs) Yeah. Let me see if I can get you the front line, okay? Okay. Usually I get about 20 bucks, though. Do you tip? This just seems interminable. Yes, it is. And that's why they added the laugh track. And the coffee disco music. And the horn music in the background. You said that? Yeah. No. It looks like Jessica Simpson. Really? I get that a lot, actually. I hate computers. And then they cut to the woman because Jessica Simpson apparently just dropped her... Oh, I see. This is a... Why is this is an online ad you're playing for this versus why is just like a it's from the CBS site? Yeah. Find out April it, 1st. It's quite the tease, isn't it? Yes, it is. No, it makes, <laughs> th- that, how long was that clip? A minute and 22. Oh, my God. It seemed like it was five or six minutes yeah. long. I can see why they added the uh, the laugh track there because there's seems like it's lacking a little fizz, uh, maybe. So is this thin Jessica or alleged fat Jessica? You can't see she's behind the counter. <laughs> can you stand behind this fern? That's great. No, no, no. You just peek your head around. No, no, no. We'll hand you the laptop around the corner. Here's Heidi, Heidi Klum is serving pizza. I don't know if this well, is... Well, let's... Do we have to... Sarah, should oh, we do it on the other side? Yeah. All right. We'll have to tease people with that. I mean, 
Much as that'll everybody, <laughs> much as that'll keep everybody glued to the radio. Good God! All right. That I wasted an hour of my night. You watched it all the way through. Oh, most of it. That's Did you feel some better. shame at the end? It's like, I can't watch any more of this. Yet I could. Was it like eating particular fast food where at the end you're enjoying it while you're doing it, and then afterwards you feel sick and you wonder why you did that to your own body? All right. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. March to It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Don't forget, tomorrow, Bo Breedlove will be sitting in this chair Ooh. right here to my uh, immediate right. Did you read the article and unzipped about him? Read? Well, yes, I read the... Uh, in fact, you know, can I tell you this? Hold on a second. Here's... Uh, no, but seriously, did you read it? No. All those magazines have been missing. No. Well, they were missing until I realized that it was actually just kind of in my stack of show stuff. Oh. So, Bo Breedlove is going to be in the studio with us tomorrow. Uh, that is Friday, right here on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. So, he is going to be uh, signing on Saturday. He'll be at the Fantasy for Adults Only. He's going to be signing this the new issue of Unzipped, which, you know, he's on the cover of it. And by the way, when you look at the photo, if you see it in black and white, and I think they used this, uh, I think they used a sort of a cropped version of this on the KUFO site, and he's got this thing, he appears to be, I'm not making this up, he appears to be nude with a messenger, like a leather messenger bag slung around uh, his shoulder, and then he's just got a necktie sort of draped over his neck, and when you look at it online, I think they made it black and white just because that's kind of the motif on the website, it doesn't really look, you can't really tell that it's a messenger bag and a necktie, it looks for all the world like he's wearing some sort of, like, dominance lederhosen. Or like a really? la- like a later hosen singlet of some kind on kufo.com. Yes, uh, they may have changed it. I think there was some. I think there was some speculation that the photograph looked as though he was being tied up and forcibly restrained. So they may have altered that by the How time. How long you before go. somebody photoshops him pulling on a tie and at the other end is Mayor Adams? I'm certainly. I don't know, Tim. Uh, I certainly would not put that in the minds of people. But I'll leave that to. Uh, I'll leave that to the CBS News Department. After all, we want to let this whole thing go. Not encourage any further actions. Are you saying you're ready to move on, Tim? I am. Yes. After the signing. After to, Yes, after tomorrow and Saturday. After the long line of thousands of people dwindles down to nothing. I would imagine. I mean, my guess is my guess that is going to be that all there's. The way to Gresham. I. <laughs> I'm serious. My no, my guess is it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite a scene. I mean, that would just be my. It's just my sort of hypothesis about it, but I think that's going to be borne out. I mean, that, that magazine printers must be gearing up for a replay. It's uh, it's uh, tomorrow. He'll be here on Saturday. He'll be doing the signings. We'll have all the details on that. But Bo Breedlove in studio tomorrow. I look at a black and white. Oh my God! It doesn't look like he's wearing. Doesn't it? It looks like he's wearing, but like sexy later hosen. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's wearing uh, sex or hosen something. It doesn't look like he's wearing. Um, um, why am I thinking? Leather straps. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like a necktie. It does look as though he's in a harness of some kind. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, about to take part in a Trent Reznor video. Maybe uh, that's the way he dresses at work. Well, it's entirely... I know. I'm interested to see how he's dressed because all the picture I've seen of him is, like, partially nude. That's his off- That's his daily office wear? He probably isn't. He'll come in not wearing a shirt. For what kind of job, Tim? I don't know what he does. Oh, isn't he a sales representative for a condo? Uh, I was, you know, I was... I think so. Handing the whole thing off to you there. And it just that, uh, that package went completely... I delivered a package there and it went completely unnoticed. It just went right by. You didn't even register. Oh, come on. You just said delivered a package. Do a Bo-Breed love joke. Oh, I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Package. The point is, we have this copy of Unzipped Magazine, which is, you know, he's on the cover, and that's kind of what this is, you know, this is what this is in aid of. But it is, let's have no doubt about it, it is a an adult magazine uh, featuring uh, nude, uh, well-endowed men. Very much so. Here's the thing. I couldn't find it for a while yesterday. I, it was it had sort of gone missing. Now, it turned out that it was just stuck between two pages in my legal pad. Uh, I think I just put it in there so like it wasn't just laying around sort of exposed. But I didn't really – I did it unconsciously and I didn't really realize it. And so then later, 
I'm, I'm like, I come back into the studio. I'm like, okay, where's that, where's that gay porn that I left in here? And I, you know, because you don't want somebody. To, I mean, radio studio or not, you don't want somebody to just walk in and hello, what's this? People and, will even steal gay porn if you leave it around. Also that, but you just, it's just like, you know that that's going to be the day that like, you know, the, the, like Dan Mason or somebody comes to visit us. <laughs> Let's move invest finally. Seriously, like, no, 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 we'd like to, uh, we'd like to welcome the executive vice uh, president for programming to the, what's this? And, you know, so I wanted to make sure that I had it because the thing is, you don't want somebody walking into the studio and just seeing it laying open or whatever. But on the other hand, if it wasn't in the studio, which it wasn't, I came in and I couldn't find it, then it becomes the question of, like, where where did the gay porn go? And is it just floating around the building somewhere? Because then, the then it's going to be like that deal where the teacher calls you in and you see your mad magazine just sitting on her desk. Um, you know, where you, just like where you walk into the general manager's office and it's just sitting there and he goes, eh, who'd like to explain this to me? And you just kind of go, when? Oh, that was an intercom. Do you remember... Was that were you, Sarah, in that meeting at Entercom where I got called into the GM's office and he uh, showed me something they'd found in the studio? I don't think that must have so. just been me uh, when we were working at Entercom Radio. Uh, what some, was this thing? Fun? Yeah, what was the thing? Some some years ago, behind the black gates of Mordor, we were doing a radio program, and I got called into uh, the general manager. Now the, the general manager was, and I believe still is, a guy named Jack Hutchison, and. I got off the air one day, and he I can't remember if he called me at my desk or if he just I, somebody may have I may have been summoned, and which is probably actually what it was. I think somebody may have come out and said, "Hey, Jack wants to see you." And of course, it's like in any business, you know, the boss calls for you, and then you start running down the list in your head of like, what did I do? What are the possible like what are the possible reasons I could be called in? And my classic general manager story, and then I will uh, and then I'll resolve this story, and then we'll you know then, then we'll uh, get caught up, as I say. I used to have a GM that would call me into his office, and he would do this with everybody, by the way. He looked like Tony Soprano, and he would his he was crazy, and his power play was he would bring you in and sit down across the desk from him, and he had these piercing, these ice blue eyes. They were like from the Fortress of Solitude. And he would just look at you, and he would tilt his head like that dog on the cover of the RCA records, and he would just say, Sarah. And then he'd kind of squint, and he did look just like Tony Soprano. This is before the Sopranos, but he was just an unnerving guy. And he'd look at you with just these ice-cold eyes, and he would say, Is there anything you want to tell me? <laughs> and then he would just stare at you. And then it's like you would just start to sweat, and pretty soon you're just like, I killed Jesus. You're just confessing to anything. So Jack Hutcherson at Intercom calls me in. And he's, you know, I'm thinking, on the way to the office, I'm thinking, like, what is up, what is up, what is up, what is up? And I walk in. And he it was so three theatrical. He must have planned this. I sit down in the in the chair, and he says, "Rick." And then he turns, and from behind his desk, he just brings out a huge bottle of vodka and sets it on his desk. And he says, <laughs> "Why would this have been left in the studio?" <laughs> oh, that was when we used to make drinks. On That's the when we used to get guests really drunk. Yeah. Uh, and I just said, "And what did I do though? Did I say that? Did I? I just said, I don't know. Have you asked uh, everybody else?" Just immediately putting it on, on everybody else who used the studio. I remember what the, how the meeting ended up, but it was the same thing, where you just walk in and he sort of ambushes you. And I really don't even know why that bottle of vodka was there. I must have been just because we forgot to put it in the no, fridge we when we were done. No, we make drinks and name them. Remember, like, when Dennis Pitsenbarger would come in and Jen Lane and everything, like, we would that all make. bartender, she came in and she made a, we created a drink on the air. Mm -hmm. I think we could do that again, actually, because we're not, none of us are signed on the, uh, on the log. We don't have federal control of the station right now. We could all be drunk. <laughs> I got some Thunderbird in the fridge right over here. Yeah, it's not about. night train. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101, KUFO. Coming up, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer, the top five, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week, and we will have today's Lost in 408. Stay there.
stop one-stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. RickEmerson.com. Do it now. KUFO. Portland. That's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is Thursday morning. Uh, seven minutes on the right side of 7 o'clock. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and Lost in 408 with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock. Tim Riley's working on the following stories on this Thursday morning. Get ready for bridge closures this coming weekend as the Race for the Roses is held. Another Octo Baby Goes Home. Heroes catch a falling baby in Massachusetts. A frantic woman calls 911 claiming she can't get out of her car. Michelle Obama breaks protocol by daring to touch the queen. Netflix delivers its two billionth movie. And a Connecticut pet shop is selling a two-nosed bunny. Let me just say this about Netflix, by the way. Netflix is one of those ideas that is so obvious but so genius that you kind of wonder why it didn't exist. Because there's no reason why it had to because I mean, when it came out, what, maybe five years ago, six years ago, something like we all kind of started using it, there was no reason why it had to take that long. I mean, they kind of could have been doing it the whole time, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. They probably could have done it with uh, VHS tapes as well. So, as you, But you do sort of wonder how it is that you were able to uh, to watch any amount of films. Boy, you know, I watched it. I have to say that you talk about a guy who makes terrible movies, in my opinion, but who I love personally, and that's John Waters. I can't think of a John Waters film that I ever really honestly can say that I just that I just embraced and liked for, in and of itself. I really only ever enjoy them because they're John Waters movies. Uh, you know, Hairspray is kind of a good example of that. Uh, see also Serial Mom. See also everything he ever did. I just don't really care you for his like movies. You like Serial Mom? I, I just, I, I don't. And the thing is, I really want to like Serial Mom. Again, Kathleen Turner. Mm. And it's got, uh, what's his name from Law it's and Order or whatever. It's terrible. It is. I mean, it's not. And it's got uh, Matthew Lillard who is just... And it's like driving ten penny nails into my feet to watch that guy. He was good in SLC Punk, though. Ah, uh, maybe. maybe. I I have such I I have such a weird thing about him though. He's just I find him so shrill and off. But he's like he's only got that one kind of strangled delivery. But Jonathan, uh, uh, but John Waters himself is just just such a great guy. But I watched this documentary called Midnight Movies, which is all about. You know, movies that were playing in art houses and in uh, sort of, uh, you know, the cinemas, you know, after everybody else had gone home and there were no more regular paying customers. And they would put in like a Racerhead or Rocky Horror or uh, Pink Flamingos or something. Anyway, so I had it on Netflix and it was sitting on top of my television for like, I don't know, four weeks or whatever. And there was a time, I remember renting Fright Night 2 of all things way back in the 80s. And then we went out of town or went on vacation and I came back and it was some of, it was like $175 in late fees. Which, it's insane to think that we ever actually paid that. That you would just sort of tolerate the fact that you would rent, uh, you know, like Lost Boys 9. And if it got lost underneath your bed or something, you have to sell your car to pay off the late fee. I'm glad that we've moved beyond that. Yeah, just, I have so many late fees around town that I've just never gone back. Uh, um, You really are a responsible consumer, Sarah. At the Hollywood on uh, Hawthorne, I think I have like over $100 in late fees. And I just never went back. And they, they tried to get me, they tried to peer pressure me to pay some of it, but they can't. So, like, I'll be renting a movie, and the person will start getting mad at me. They're like, okay, well, you need to pay. I'm like, am I legally required to pay it? And like, no, I'm like, no, I don't want to pay. It's like, how about a dollar? I'm like, no. As soon as they start pushing me out. But don't they ever? Don't they turn over you over to the man at some point? No, because they're so desperate for people to rent. Oh, I suppose they don't, they don't want to lose you as a customer, and they probably figure that eventually they'll get some money out of you. Exactly. But if they lean on you for this, you'll never go back. Oh, so they try to. Yeah. So every time I've gone in, they try to peer pressure me, and they're like, "Well, it would be really appreciated if you if you want to pay some of your money." I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> we take it as a common courtesy if you pay this. And for some reason, debt that like, you incurred. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Well, okay, don't hit me. I know, like, I, I don't know, standing up to people sometimes makes you nervous, but for some reason with that, I just, I pride myself on it. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm going to pay my two ninety nine for this movie, and that's it's it. It's fantastic, by the way, that the group of people to whom you've chosen to practice your assertion skills are video store clerks. 
That's you there. <laughs> Minimum wage with a scanny thing. I'm not going to pay this. What are you going to do about it? Well, no, because they just represent the man, and the man wants my money. You know, it's uh, as Abby Hoffman once said, it's uh, it's dishonest not to steal from the man, Tim and Sarah. Am I right, kids? Huh? Huh? Here's your top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley with Thursday's Top 5. And there are a few things that inspire the passion of music. The right song, the right record, the right band, and the right time can make all the difference. Oh, by the way, this is the 60th anniversary of the 45 today. The actual of the commercial sale of the 45 recording? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the introduction of the 45 RPM record. Wow. 60? I thought it would be older than that, actually. Yeah, 60. 19, uh, 1949. Oh, man. I got a huge collection of 45. I, I, I actually listen to those way more than I listen to my 33s for some reason. 45s are fun. That's the thing about 45s. There's something fun because it is that it's just a one-shot record. I, mean, I guess it's a B-side, but, I mean, but it really is. It, it's kind of an instant gratification, and then you're done. And there's no filler tracks. And 45, by definition, is something that you want to hear front to back. And you can never find the thing that fits in the middle, so you spin your finger around to make sure it's centered. Exactly. I used to use a. I used to scotch tape them down. That's different. Doesn't work all that well. Musicians are no exceptions themselves, as this list demonstrates. These are uh, top five songs written by another band. These are the top five songs written, uh, in some cases, by a band or an individual artist about another, another band. band. Honorable mention goes to Weezer and Heart Songs. This is from uh, the Red Album, which is the most recent release. This is sort of an honorable mention because it's it's not about one particular band. It's, it's really a fantastic song. We don't have time to play the whole thing, but I, it, it really is something. This is one of the best things I've ever heard. Another, and it's a really obvious idea that I don't think anybody had ever done this way. It's just a long string of songs and albums and artists. Uh, We're going to find an excuse, by the way, at some point, probably not today, maybe tomorrow, to play this whole song, because this song has the most unexpected resolution, and it's just, now we have to do it. So there you go. That's a heart song by Weezer. That's the honorable mention. Tim Riley. Number five, Nerf Herder. This is, uh, actually, this, yeah, so this is uh, Nerf Herder. They did that, uh, what was that song? They did that song, High School. And they did that, what was the other song they did? Well, they did the Buffy the Vampire Slayer theme. That's where I know This is a great song, and it, play, it and it ends with um, 
It ends with somebody about David Lee Roth lost his hair, but Hagar lost his cool. F you. <laughs> Fantastic. These are the top five songs about another band, Tim Riley. Number four, Tenacious D and Dio. For a long, long time. And by the way, before you call up about Dio not being a band, Dio is also the name of the group. Just get off my, uh, just get off my back, you sons of bitches. God, I love Dio. The man and the band. This is Brent's suggestion, by the way. Brent seems like a Tenacious D fan. You can always tell a Tenacious D fan. Yeah, he really is. These are the top five songs about another band, Tim Riley. Number three, Jonathan Richmond, Velvet Underground. Uh, I have Chris Paddock to thank for this one. And the great thing is it has like a Velvet Underground sound to it. They were wild like the USA, a mystery band in a New York way. Rock and roll, but not like the rest. And to me, America at its best. How in the world would they make that sound? It sounds like it was recorded at Sun Records. It does. It does. It has that kind of a, a weird kind of back slap sound. We'll get to this one. Uh, this one stanza here because they do. A, he does a little. A little great breakdown here. Shop and rude, like the East turned off and you're low on food. How in the world are they making that sound? Velvet underground, like this. Duck and Sally inside. All right. These are the top five songs about another band. Number two, Motorhead Ramones. This gets extra points for sounding just like a Ramones song, by the way. The best part about this is the Ramones themselves eventually covered this. Because why wouldn't you? God, you know, the thing about this song, you know, Lemmy was like, Jesus, I think he was like 52 when he sang this. And this is like 15 years ago. How old is that guy? Lemmy's got to be 65 by now. I think he must be. Good for him. It's today's top five. This is number one. These are the top Yay. five songs about another band. Tim? The Descendants and Thank You. One of my favorite songs in the world. Now, I put this on the list. We were supposed to do this top five yesterday, and we get, didn't get to it because um, there's a technical uh, mishap. But I was talking to Lisa Wood about this, and Lisa Wood claims... I me. said it's about Black Flag. No, no, no. I was talking oh, to Lisa okay. about it. Uh, and I said it's about Black Flag, and she actually says that she doesn't think that's the case. Because I'd always heard that it was about, like, Black Flag. See, me too. I Maybe just because you told me that. So not, But it's kind of clever the way they do it. 
It's about. I think she. I don't know. I think she might. She thinks it's about a, a series of bands, but they do this kind of clever thing of never saying who it is, so you can sort of insert. Kind of like Spinal Tap, how they never say exactly who they're mocking. It's just a series of people. Which is sort of great. I mean, because you. It clearly is about a specific band. You can just tell. Because he has the line, um, you never get played on the radio, it's not that game you play. So whether it's Black Flag or somebody, it's not a theoretical song. It's. I think it's about a specific. You know, it's like how sometimes when you hear a love song and you go, that's about somebody. That's not made up. That happened. This is clearly about a band. Well, this is, you're right, this is like also a love song. Yeah. I was just listening. It's just such a beautiful song. This is maybe the purest expression of music fandom I've ever heard from another band. Just beautiful. It really be uh, would be quite a quite a different place in this world without music. Mm. All right, there's the Descendants, number one. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Stay right there. That song seems to go by in the blink of an eye. Rick, what song was that? Kind of has a four-minute fade. <laughs> Seriously. Rick, it's your favorite song ever. Why don't you backfill that one? That was... I, you know, it, I don't even know who is that. It's I know I'm Caesar. supposed to. I'm supposed to sound neither. No, no, see, it's like whenever whenever I hear that vocal style, I know that I'm supposed to sound like I'm uh, like I'm a walking uh, encyclopedia. Jim of Lab. Every single every single stripe of rock that's ever existed in every song. It sounds like it. Oh yeah. That is a relatively recent edition, and I always think it's Incubus because it doesn't it sound. It totally sounds like. If Incubus. I were to tell you it was Incubus and you didn't know it, like if you didn't have it in front of you, mm-hmm. you'd probably believe that. But Tim is totally right uh, when he says that that is, it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, repeat, <laughs> ad infinitum, slowing down and fading for the next 12 and a half minutes. It sounds like some horrible, um, like, dream sequence song that would be playing in, like, a teen goth movie. Uh, yes, exactly. And they're all, like, slowly dancing around and picturing, like, something from Labyrinth and they're all wearing masks. Or if, like, the Lou Pearlman Backstreet Boys guy, if he was told to make a typo negative uh, tribute band of some kind. Oh. All right. Well, I'm sure it tests well. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Welcome now. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello. How are you today? Hey, or is this payola? That's my question. I'm sorry? Or could it be payola, that, that song? You mean from you? Is Ted Turner? You mean for your segment? Should I be expecting a check from uh, no. from Tyler? No, I'm wondering if the, uh, you know... Incubus Plus guys, I, I don't. Anyway, I don't it. think we like to joke about payola here at radio stations, I know, I Lisa. Have, I know. I'll, I just realized. I think that. even it's probably a goof. That's some comedy that CBS would like to avoid. <laughs> Badly done. Hey. I'm just going to quit talking now, so there, we can, so there can be an awkward silence here. Yes. Hi. Hello. How are you today? I'm I'm well. Still awkward. I was <laughs> <laughs> just how many times I could do that. By the way, speaking of awkward, I want to thank you for the email you sent yesterday. So you, oh, okay, good. good. I don't even remember what we were theoretically discussing. I guess it was like it was the Barack Obama or something or other. But at one point, you just revealed that you used to make out with your teddy bear 
And this, I think it's because we were talking about uh, confession and the act of contrition or something. And then you sent this great email where you said, immediately after the call, I realized that I was just sweating and sweating and sweating. And I don't even really know why that would be. I mean, I can understand why maybe you'd say, well, I was blushing or maybe I was, uh, I found that maybe I was, uh, uh, you felt a little, uh, I don't know, off kilter. Sweating seems to be an odd uh, I know. response. I felt the same way. I was like, what? I got off the call and then I was like, whoa, I'm, what, what? Do you what still, is happening? Is this the teddy bear that's in that, um, this sounds uh, awkward, but uh, could you send us at one point a photograph of some outfit you had on one day that you were particularly pleased with? And you sent us a picture, and it was a picture of you in, I believe, your home. But there was a there right. was a teddy bear in the background. Was that the teddy bear in question? No, no, no. That's my that's my long time, long term teddy bear. It's your this, primary teddy bear. It, this teddy bear, this teddy bear, it, it really was, uh, you know, I, I in my memory at least a one time event. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? But in my, you know, so the other teddy bear was really I I loved him and left him. All right then. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, uh, sorry. I'm, just, okay. I'm starting to get a little perspiration again. That's all right. Hey, did I ask you the question yeah. yesterday about about stockholders and GM and the government? Did we no. did we talk about this? No. I could uh, because to be fair, I've been sort of asking everybody, and I, I we were talking about it with Amanda Moyer earlier today, and she kind of had some a little bit of a speculation. But it, it's if the government is stepping in, if the government has given billions to GM and is theoretically going to be given billions more, if the government though is the they are the de facto owners of the company at this point. I mean, they, they, you know, they're, they're kind of running the whole joint. But since GM, unlike Chrysler, is a publicly traded company, how does that affect stockholders? So, right. you know, it, can stockholders tell the Obama administration what to do since the Obama administration is the owners, but the stockholders are the ones who really uh, cast the votes? Not knowing what Amanda said, um, here's here's what I know. She that, didn't really know. She she okay. kind of bluffed her way through it, which I don't mean as a knock on her. I'm just saying she right, she right. kind of didn't really know the answer to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it gets in the nitty gritty. the The deal with GM and Chrysler is that we actually are just loaning them this money. Essentially, it's 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 big. The the vast majority of it is loan money. Now there's separate money that's loaned to the suppliers, and there's also separate money uh, for one of their financing wings. But I, so I'm going to take all that out. So people who are really paying attention, uh, this is not as much for you. People who know the nitty gritty. But the bulk of this money with Chrysler and GM is loans that are to be paid back. So the, with the automakers, the U.S. does not own any stock per se. It's a totally different situation with say AIG or some of the banks. And, and I can get into what happens with their stockholders and all of that, because obviously they're publicly traded. Uh, but with the automakers, it's not an issue because these are just loans. Um, with the banks, the deal is that the Treasury, it, it gets really complicated, but initially the deal was that, um, and I guess to back up, the, the reason that, that GM and Chrysler have to do what we tell them, even though they're run by stockholders, is that GM, is that um, otherwise they would collapse. <laughs> and they, they know that, that we're the only ones that can really, the government's the only one that can loan them this money. So stockholders, the assumption Boys, is, would agree. What a, what a sad scenario, by the way, when the government has to step in and be the responsible party who is dealing well with money. What a bunch of incompetent boobs they must be. I mean, it's just... Pretty nutty. Uh, the, I mean, the, the fact that the federal government now, look, it's like the, uh, you know, the Rodney Dangerfield joke. You're fat, you stand next to fatter people. I mean, and really, it's if it, it's you know, it's it's like if you have no idea uh, what you're doing, I guess now you just sort of stand next to General Motors, and I mean, you're going to look like Susie Orman. So <laughs> they've been trying to do all of this stuff though to get people to, I don't know, to, to go buy a new car or to trade in the car they've got. Like Hyundai's doing that thing where they'll 
Uh, they'll take it back if you get fired within a year. And Ford will make your payments for a year if you get fired. Although, Tim, what was the GM deal? It's only good till the end of this month. GM has said that they'll, yeah, if you get fired, they'll cover your car cost, but you've got to buy a car within the next 30 days. Like, you got to go do it. Which means you have to be buy and get fired within the next 30 days. <laughs> you have to, really? You have to yeah. buy a car and then immediately go to work and be caught stealing office supplies, apparently. Um, wow, and be named Bill. But they're doing the whole thing of trying to get. I don't know. I'm trying to get people to trade in. What is it? The, because it's the, they call it cash for clunkers. Cash but that always, clunkers. That yeah. always sounds like the billboard though, where there's the guy trying to get you to donate your car for kids, you know, that have cancer or something. But, but it's just cash for more gas guzzlers. They should put the fo- a photo of a sick child up there. Seriously, it has nothing to do with it. But, but maybe some, you know, maybe some people would be. Oh, don't oh, draw any correct cor- any direct correlation. Just have the photo there. Just have the photo fo- exactly. Maybe something you're tender-hearted. You know, maybe maybe grandmothers. Or maybe just a picture of, you know, maybe just some orphans in Calcutta gathered around a bowl right. that is only half full of rice. Uh, and then donate yeah, your car, won't you please? Or better yet, maybe they could give you um, a photo of a, everyone could have a photo of a different child once you do it. We should completely do that. We should go the full Patch Adams route with this show. We should get some billboards for the Rick Emerson show. But then they just, but then we just show like, uh, you know, but then we just show like a, like a cat, you know, like at the Humane Society, like peering out from between bars that are too small. An adorable puppy. What is the deal with the, but are yeah. they asking people to get rid of it or to buy, to, to trade in their car? Or what are they doing here? All right, the deal is, this hasn't passed Congress yet, but there's a big push. All of a sudden, everyone kind of is jumping on board this idea that people with cars eight years old or older could turn in that car, trade it in, at, and then at that dealership, they would get a voucher from the U.S. government for 3000 to $5,000, not determined yet, somewhere in that range. That money would be, could be used toward a new car. There's a couple different versions of this bill. Generally, they will probably give you – they may give you more money if you get a more fuel-efficient car. The new car would have to be made in the U.S. probably, um, and, and it would be limited to – potentially with cars with certain gas mileage. But the idea is you turn in an old car, you get, you know, three to 5,000 bucks to go toward a brand new car. This is like that uh, jazz they were floating where they were, they were going to try to, uh, if you were a first-time home buyer, they were going to give you yes. the, 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 like a huge tax break or they were going to pay a big chunk of it, with the upshot of which, of course, would be just to put more idiots into houses they can't possibly afford, which is kind of what this sounds like to me. I mean, really, if you're... If you need five grand handed to you to be able to, you know, reasonably buy a car, maybe you ought to be taking the bus for a while. Especially when you're dealing, because these, these are, they're, right now they're talking about new cars. So, I mean, <laughs> that's what Americans need. Towards a new car. And you wonder how is that? Because the manufacturers right now are cutting the cost, cutting what they sell them for. So, is this really, are they just not going to do that anymore? Is this really just going to eat into the sale price? You know what I mean? Are they going to no longer have to offer the discount? Because uh, the U.S. government is. Pitching in, I, it's, it's not really clear. I would say what's really going to fix the economy right now is for the, the vast majority of Americans to immediately go buy things they can't afford and have to make payments on for the next 12 years. It's the, the, and meanwhile, meanwhile, President Obama is in Europe right now sending the message that America is no longer going to be this kind of rabid, uh, manic-consuming country. Yeah. That, but I... But I don't know. I haven't. I haven't sensed that change yet. No, I. Uh, I'll think about that the next time I pass the uh, various all-you-can-eat buffets, which are doing booming business in my neighborhood. Right. So, yeah. And by the way, that first-time homebuyer credit actually was passed, and it's part of the stimulus bill, seventy-five hundred bucks. Well, for the great most first-time homebuyers. The good thing about that is, is that it means like fifteen years from now, I don't have to. You know, I don't have to worry about what my show prep is going to be like. Oh, I don't know. In the you know two thousand twenty-four, because it'll be all these same stories all over again. You know, John got into a home he thought he could afford. Ford, and then they show some boob sitting on a couch in suburbia. You know, they, you know, they called it cash for clunkers. Some people call it an incentive 
for the irresponsible. <laughs> Rick Emerson has more. And then it'll be me sitting in a nursing home somewhere going, oh, I remember in aught nine, it was exactly the same thing. And uh, during those years, you're right, the, everyone will be concerned, as they are now, rightly so, for the children. As always, for the children. All right, Lisa Desjardins, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right, there you go. Fantastic, ladies and gentlemen. All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Tim Riley, have you news for us around the corner? I certainly do, yes. What might some of those headlines be? Well, a man who uh, plowed into a house in Marion County did so to blow off some steam. Mission accomplished. Excellent. And uh, Storables is declaring Chapter 11. And there's a two-headed bunny for sale. Fantastic. That one could be funny. I'm sorry. You know, it'd be even better, wouldn't it? It could be both pets and meat, Tim. A little, uh, little, that's a little 2% joke for you. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Stay there. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. I'm sorry, I was reading the front of the Oregonian here, and it just says, Do you wish you had a train to St. John's? More than anything. It'd be covered with graffiti on the first day. I mean, and you know, the train would never, it would... (laughs) Only if dreams come true. It would never come back. It would be like that train in, um, it would be like that, uh, it would be like that train in War of the Worlds, where it's just like covered in fire, and it just sort of, right through, and then it's just gone, and everybody kind of goes, well, okay. And they go about their business. It's becoming more gentrified over there, though. In St. John's? Yes, it is. is. Is it a city on the move, Tim? It is. Am I going to love its new spark? I like St. John's. I think it's pretty. I do, too. I have to say, in in, in all fairness... They clean up the graffiti so quick when you call. Well, they got it down to a science, Tim. They They have all the different colors of paint on a wagon or... uh, On a wagon. On a wagon. Does Lee Marvin come by and do it? Pulled by a horse. Uh Uh-huh. And they take care of everything. Like, within two minutes, and in St. John's, it looks... Just like new. I, I actually do have to be. I have to be very honest and say that I was in St. John's a while back, and I didn't Love recognize it. it as. Well, let's. That's a bit of an overstatement, but I will say that I didn't recognize it as being the St. John's that I once knew. It did. It looked. Uh, it looked different. It has a new spark. Well, it, it just that it didn't look. I mean, look. When I think of St. John's, I mean, you know, like that. There's that whole. Uh, what is it? Lombard. Yeah. You know, there's that long stretch of Lombard where I used to go there because there was a Pietro's Dirty, pizza there. Dirty, full of potholes. Well, and just yeah, and you just started to feel like. Um, you started to feel like it was one of those mining towns uh, after the boom and as the bust had started to really take its toll. And there was just nothing but stores selling guns and uh, like bad gold jewelry. And that was it. And it has, uh, I believe, uh, certain sections of it have started to revamp themselves. And so Lara has this friend. Uh, we were going out with this other couple. And the guy lives in St. John's. And, of course, we're driving there. And she, I said, where are we going? I said, and, of course, I was immediately suspicious. It looks like we're going to St. John's. What is up with this? And she said, oh, well, so-and-so lives in St. John's. So we're going to pick him and her up, and then we're going to go out to... I have promised my wife that I will never discuss her friend by name, uh, and that I will uh, never... Your best buddy forever. Yeah. I've seen a picture of that woman. I think that her you and I You said gender-neutral name. Uh, Terry. Johnny with an IE. Well, it's a woman. I, or Pat. <laughs> why am I using a gender-neutral name? It's a woman. A, oh, Pat. Pat. Anyway, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I've, but I have been, um, it's like how back in the early, when it was this, when, before it was CBS, when this was Infinity Radio, I think that uh, the on-air folks, I don't think you could talk about Mel Karmazin by name. I think it was a thing in the deal where you, in the contract, where you couldn't talk about Mel Karmazin. You had to not use his name. So anyway, so I have this deal with my wife where I will not discuss this friend of hers by name because, because um, the friend is, uh, when you say we have lots in common, we have my wife in common. That's about it. And so I don't refer to her on, on the air with any specificity. Anyway. So you don't like her very much. I didn't say that, Tim. You said that. That's like my friend's girlfriend who, like, we might not be the best of friends. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing we have in common is the fact that we 
you know, that she's dating my friend and he's... And the friend is the sort of... The friend is the kind of social lubricant between the two of you. No, and there's absolutely nothing that we can talk about. And we just downright don't get along. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's especially... And I'm not, of course, not talking about my situation at home. And I'm not talking about my situation because I'm not supposed to either. But it's that thing where... I like everybody. Where there's three people in a room and two of the people just don't like each other. And everyone knows it. All three of the people know that. All three of the people know that two of them just don't like each other. The point is, uh, I didn't recognize that we were going to St. John's because I arched an eyebrow and I said, this looks like St. John's. And she goes, oh, so-and-so lives here. And I said, huh. And oh, I so looked you have up, a bad association with it. Well, it, but to be friend. fair, his neighborhood actually, uh, it looked, it was quite sparkly. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's come a long way. So I think uh, there's, there might be some good things happening there. They need their own train. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. The Murray County Sheriff's Office says a Jefferson man has been given a ticket for reckless driving because he ca- crashed right into a house. Benjamin Gibson told police he was just trying to blow off some steam. The house has considerable damage. The woman inside was not hurt. This is kind of disturbing. A gun-toting dad robs an AMPM in the middle of the night with his nine-year-old daughter. He uh, pulled out a handgun, demanded money for the register, and the girl stood right behind him and watched. His eyes were tearing up. This guy is hurting inside. He worked in a place like this for about five years and, and was fired, lost his job. His daughter needed medical care. So the money from the register at the AMPM in the middle of the night has enough money for the girl's medical care. I don't know that that's... I, I think he may not have thought that plan through the end. You know what AMPM does have? Uh, it's, not, not the, it's not a plug. Our I'm dogs not, have been cooking for a long time. Now, see, but you see, I knew you were going to make a snarky comment about that, Tim. And you just... Look, as a vegan, you don't under, you don't know what I know. I know stuff! I'm I smart. used to live in a neighborhood with one right on the corner. The Nobody a- ever bought those hot dogs. You know, you know who buys food at AMPM? I do. I buy food. You know what I eat at AMPM? I buy the uh, cheeseburger that they sell there. There's an AM, and I'm not ashamed to. I will admit <laughs> that the one right in here. Is a plastic bag? Yeah, it's not plastic. It's oh, no, foil. The, the red aluminum foil. Yes, that is exactly what I'm talking about. The uh, there is a an AMPM on Milwaukee and Powell. Yes, yeah, right. It's, it's directly across from the Aladdin. You go to the Aladdin Theater, there's that AMPM right across the street. Those cheeseburgers are fantastic. And you know what? And I will fight the man who says otherwise. There's a, they got a real zing to them. I quite like them. Let's do uh, one more, and then straight ahead we'll have more news and Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. Just in time for Easter, a two-nosed bunny. Yes, it really does have two noses. A Connecticut pet shop worker found the nosy bunny in a delivery of six-week-old dwarf rabbits that arrived at the store in Milford, Connecticut. Both noses have two nostrils. The owner of Perfect Pets says he's never seen anything like it in his 25 years. The bunny eats, drinks, and hops around just like the rest of the litter. Yes? Nothing? They, they have a, uh, a naming contest underway for the two-nosed bunny if you oh, like to participate. Speaking of naming contest, don't let me forget uh, two things. This has nothing to do with the two-nosed bunny. Bo Breedlove will be in the studio uh, tomorrow. Bo Breedlove. Bo Breedlove will be joining Bo us. Bo Breedlove. Speaking of naming contest, I don't have time to do this uh, now or probably even uh, today just because we got so much to do still. But... Last night, remind me to talk about Xbox uh, tomorrow. Okay. Xbox. Live. All right, I got to do that tomorrow. All right. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Straight ahead, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week, Tim Riley with more news, and we'll have Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO.
Broadcasting in ADHD. Oh, look at Bird. This is the Rick Emerson Show. What? On Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming by this Thursday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Still ahead this hour, Lost in 408 with Sarah Dillon and Christopher J. Paddock. Also, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Tim Riley is working on the following headlines on this morning for you. Yes, I am. Get ready for bridge closures this weekend as the race for the roses is held. Another Octo baby goes home. Heroes catch a falling baby. A man who fails to rob a liquor store sits down and cries after the owner locks him in. Oregon liquor prices are going up. A new federal tax uh, credit will give you an extra $10 a week in your paycheck. $10? $10. $10. And if you're unemployed, you get 25 extra. So who has the better deal? Hot dog. So, so really, this is not the time to be employed, Tim. No. Really, this is, uh, this is, the, uh, this is now a, uh, it's a, bull market for, uh, it's a bull market for the jobless. Right. It's 503-733-2970. What is the race for the roses? It's a. Uh, what are they curing or attempting to do? I think it has something to do with the florist, but I'm not sure. But they close down all the bridges and uh, they run through the city. Well, as long as it inconveniences me, Tim, that's all that matters. As long yeah, as they nobody. They always do it during the weekend when people want to get downtown. Don't get me started. It's a, I mean, it, it is not unlike uh, you and I have had many, many discussions about our friends in critical mass who decide that they're going to stick it to the man uh, by clogging up a road at around, I don't know, 5.15 on a two. As though the man is somehow in downtown Portland or whatever at like, at like 5.30 in the middle of the week. As if the man is going to change anything after they do this. <laughs> you know, you know, I've seen the Did error of the my ways. Man gives up. <laughs> Really, the no, no, no. The stinking unwashed hippies in critical mass have really made me reconsider my thoughts. I'm, I'm going to give my money to the poor and go live on a commune somewhere. The love of God. Let's welcome to the uh, Rick Emerson Show from Willamette Week our good friend Kelly Clark. Hello to you. Hey, how you doing this You're morning? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yes, I had coffee and I had to get up really early. Well, <laughs> let me just get a little further up in the. Uh, uh, in oh, you had to get there. a little uh, up a little early. What's early? Early? Okay, like six. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I have to figure out the strange microphone thing. What is this? No, no, no. Just, just get closer up on it. If you get use, uh, Rick Emerson is a role model in only this regard. Uh, where yeah. you just uh, yeah, if you get too far back, then it sounds like you're going to tinker. Do I have proper ma- microphone etiquette now? Yeah, we'll we'll fix it. In post. Don't <laughs> okay. worry. Don't worry about it. I will say this, by the way, we only complained about because we you know we used to do uh, we did a midday show for a long time, and I've been doing. I mean, one way or another, I think this show's been on a middays or something approaching middays, which is like from, you know, like maybe 10 to 3 for about 10 years. And then we just moved the mornings and we complained for, I think, the first two or three days. And then I think it was pointed out to us that by definition, everybody to whom we are speaking in the mornings is also up and probably has been doing that for a long time. And they don't want to hear our bitching and moaning about it. So, so now instead of bitching, you're just superior to everybody. That's right. No, now we have... Now That's we, true. You can compare to us middayers. We have the smug condescension that really only comes uh, from getting up at 3 a.m. to provide entertainment for the people. And it was Kelly. only added to the show after you got the morning slot. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, <laughs> and it isn't even like being on FM or anything. It's just from being up at you know, 3 o'clock and do you, Let me just ask you this. Do you do that? And I know that there are a lot of... We were talking about bakers uh, during the break. Yeah. People who go and you know, they got to go to Safeway or whatever. They got to get you know start turning out crawlers or something at 3 a.m. I don't know if I speak just for myself here, 
But I, like just now, I was out in the hallway, and it's, I don't know, maybe it was 8.05 or something. You know, nobody's here, but of course, the office doesn't actually even open till 8.30. There's really no mm-hmm. reason for anybody here, but I still have this sort of low-grade contempt for the fact that people aren't here. Oh, you're busy. You're up. You are doing things. <laughs> I was, I was going While back, they sleep. I was going back to the printer. I'm like, come on. Is there no work ethic anymore? But I love it when I'm at home, closed. like watching like a, a soap opera, and I'm like laying in my bed after I've just eaten lunch and like watching Melrose Place for an hour. I'm just like, oh, everyone else is like stuck at a desk job, and I'm sleeping. You should send taunting emails to people at work. <laughs> you probably should. I'm going to be napping right now. Facebook That's, status. Yeah. I'm sleeping. I am sleeping. You know, uh, we were just talking about Storm as well, because Storm is supposed to be... I think she's going to be coming probably not... this. Well, this week's almost over. Today's Thursday. Yeah, it was the premiere on the the 31st, right? I think... Is it this... When... I'm such a bad friend. I don't even know. When does Storm's show open? Storm's show opens on Friday. Tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. I thought it was a week from tomorrow. No. I thought it opened on Tuesday for some reason. No, it opens this Friday. We're bad people. At the Girding Theater. Well, okay. I'm filled with shame. Uh, So this (laughs) is... But it's it's like an autobiographical. It's a... It's a the musical sort of one yeah, um, our, show. Yeah, our uh, our stage critic uh, talked to Storm this week. It did a really fun Q and A with her. And basically, what happened is Chris Coleman asked her, you know, would you want to do a one woman show? And she's like, sure. You know, that's kind of what you know I do with the balls anyway. I say something embarrassing and dirty, like Bette Midler, but worse. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I want you to talk about your mom and your life. And she's like, oh, nobody wants to see that. Right. Uh, but apparently, people do. And she's been in production for it for quite a long time. And it premieres up Friday at the Girding. And uh, I've been hearing really, really great things about it. And I don't, and I, I don't know if the songs. I don't know exactly. I mean, maybe I don't want to know. I probably don't want to have much of it spoiled for me. But I, I know that there's some original material songs for it, but I, I don't know if they're all original, if she's incorporating some of her repertoire into I, it. I don't exactly know either. I know that she's been writing a lot of new stuff for it, um, some softer she said that people who'd heard her album that she did after Rockstar, which she kind of admitted wasn't her favorite thing, uh, she says that people will be really surprised. It's a much bigger range. And I know she tried to get the ri- the rights to Rock and Roll Suicide from David Bowie and failed. Uh, so mm. the Bowie people thought that she was um, a bad influence, uh, did not have proper moral standards. On the youth. On no the youth. way. That's kind of like the best compliment ever. David Bowie doesn't think really? high morals. Bowie's people thinks that you are <laughs> the The white duke thinks that you are, in fact, uh, the bad I know. Doesn't it make news. you warm inside just thinking about uh, that? It really yeah. does, actually. Well, I think uh, how neat would it be to know that David Bowie knows you exist? Exactly, I'd be happy with and that. And his podcast, even if he, <laughs> even if he just disliked me, you know, even if it was just sort of, even if it was just in like a dismissive, flippant kind of, uh, you know, uh, way, I'd be, I'd be happy with that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Storm's song about vagina, vagina. I think that's, that's in, in the show that too. Is in there. Yeah, um, and regrettably, that's not a thing we're ever gonna. And I've had people. I had somebody ask me if we were going to play it, and I said no. And Lisa Wood was asking me, she was like, what about that Storm Vagina song? And I said, I'm probably it's not so going to. Well, it's so genius. It's fantastic, yeah, it's but she's great. like, well, what if you just bleeped it? And it's like, there's well, well, a, that's kind of. Maybe we, she does a kid's version. You, yeah. <laughs> well, the, maybe we can put it as soon as like she releases it, we can put it on our website so people can listen to it. To uh, what she did do, Storm gave me, uh, she gave me an advance, uh, like a little advance MP3 of the song in question. Uh, which is genius because it's got. I mean, there's. Uh, what does the album cover look like? I I don't really because I don't know if it's part of. I mean, every time I like a lot of inside baseball stuff. But so like Storm's <laughs> got this the one woman show that's opening, and I think that there's going to be an album in April or May that is sort of connected with this, or there's kind of the soundtrack to it. She said but, that the soundtrack would be coming out. Yeah. yeah. So the Vagina song is on there, and she gave me an advance MP3 of it. Her only request was that I not do anything with it, you know, like post it or give it to anybody until until the album kind of comes out. Sure. So that's. And in that way, like bleeping is just going to be ridiculous because there's a whole long uh, sections of it that it would just be unairable. But 
Not unlike that uh, that thing we were talking about, the, the Winnebago sales guy. Oh, the guy yeah. who's trying to sell Winnebagos, and yeah. he just goes into the long torrent of profanity. And there's just no reason to play it on the air, because it would just be an unbroken bleeping sound. So, What else <laughs> is happening in our fine city, Kelly Clark? Well, you know, this is kind of related. Since Storm, I mean, it's all about her personal life, all the horrible things that have happened to her. Have you ever heard of Mortified PDX? I have. It's um, mm. it's, but it's uh, it's not like back fence, which is sort of a storytelling thing. This is journal entries. No, this is journal entries. I've been to it before. Basically, just regular Portlanders get up and they just bare their souls for horrible things that happened to them when they were teenagers. You know, like romantic angst, horrible cat fights. It's a lot of stuff from their journals or. You know, at this point, you know, uh, songs that they that they uh, wrote and sang when they were in junior high. And it's all true stories. It's all true stories. It's it's like the Wonder Years on Speed. But it's, it's amazing. And it's okay, like the worst thing incredible. that ever happened to you yeah, in adolescence. That makes me feel so much better about my childhood. Yeah, and so they've been doing this since I think it was last summer was when they started it. Mortified has outposts in a whole bunch of different cities, and they started launched Mortified PDX last year, and it's been a huge success. I mean, they have a ton of people who wanted this. For some reason, people want to get up on stage and say you know, absolutely embarrassing things about themselves. Yeah. I guess you guys would know that you yeah. do it on the radio every morning. I, no, that's true. I was just going to yeah. say, I have no desire to go there. It seems awkward, but I mean, that's... I, I That's kind of your job. I, and you I don't was, do it intentionally. And I was trying... That's the thing. It's always sort of an yeah. inadvertent that's true. reveal. How many tales and broken relationships have I told? I was trying exactly. to uh, think of you know, what the most mortifying story of my teenage years would be. And it's like, the, the thing is, I can't even really... I mean, I'm sure there are some. I can't even really think of what one would be, though. These are pretty detailed. You know, there's a lot of young women in their 20s who have some pretty amazing journal entries of their quest to lose their virginity. Some disturbing ones. Stuff about I hate my mom, I hate my mom. Songs about hating your mom. Songs about hating your brother. Songs about hating yourself. Yeah, and I, don't um, think, I just don't think I have anything. I think my stuff, it was just a whole lot of just me sitting in my room staring blankly at a wall. Right. I mean, waiting for something to happen. You know what? These people are making that interesting, too. It's, it's one of those things you go, it's going to be at Sunday Lounge, um, and it's going to be on Friday and Saturday. At what is the worst story you've heard there? Oh. Can you, is it something you can tell on the air? No, I don't remember. It was a couple, it, I went last fall, but I think it was actually just what I said. The woman who was keeping the diary of trying to lose her virginity and she was like 13 and she's like, oh my God, like I went to the beach for spring break and it was so great. And you know, this guy was totally into me and, oh, I think he's like 21 or 25 or something, but I don't care. He gave me beer. <laughs> and she's, as she's saying it, you can see her turning red and realizing how inappropriate and wrong this is. And then launching right back into it. And it's just painful to watch her try to reconcile her 13-year-old self. It's like hell on her parents and totally just <laughs> not in the right place. And then her, like, 25-year-old self just wanting to beat her 13-year-old head in. I don't think I have any <laughs> stories like that. The only thing I have that is, is even related to that is I remember I was maybe, God, I don't know, like 14 or 15 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly wasn't old enough to drive yet because I had to go with my friend Brian who had a car. And of course, it's like the one-eyed man, you know, is king and the, you know whatever. He was the only one who had a car, and it was like this beat-up like Volkswagen Bug. But it's like it, it, but it had wheels and it moved, and so therefore he was a deity among us. And you know, it's like you know, so he was the guy you always hung out with because he was the guy that had wheels. <laughs> and at one point, I don't know why he thought that I should be the guy that he picked to go along because I was not like a like a ladies magnet or anything as hard as that may be to believe and he was kind of a good looking guy and he played sports and he was kind of a jock and so you know chicks kind of dug him but at one point it like ended up where he I think he must have felt sorry for me because he had hooked up with these like two older girls older being that like we were 14 and they were like maybe 16 and so they were like you know we figured they were fast and he came by my house one night and he's like tapping at my bedroom window and it's like the whole stupid thing if he's like oh I got some girls so we're gonna go uh I guess we must have been older than that because I think he drove, so it, unless he just took his parents' car, 
Which, in retrospect, I think it may be the case. I think he actually just drove his, like, rolled his dad's car to the driveway. Are you sure this isn't the plot of 16 Candles? Well, it, it, so he comes by and he knocks at my window, and I'm just like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, I got some worlds. We're going to go to the park. And then he fast forward to, like, we're at a park in Kennewick, and there's, like, him and these two 16-year-old girls who clearly, like, they had no idea I was going to be there. And so I'm just, like, weird and gangly and pasty, and it's just, you know, it's just like a million miles of bad road all over me. And they have Coors Light. And I, at one point, he hands me the beer, like he has the, you know, it's the six pack with the plastic rings, and he pulls off the beer and he hands it to me, and it, it, like as socially awkward as I am now, which I am terribly so, you imagine like a fourteen or fourteen and a half year old me being handed a can of Coors Light at a park at like I don't know midnight in Kennewick. Totally intimidated by the fact that there are girls there, much less girls that. And when you're when you're a teenage boy, you have this sort of. It's like the underpants gnomes, where it's like, step one, steal underpants. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Like, you never know how you get from one to the other. But when you're uh, when you're a teenage boy, you have this whole thing of like, I'm going to go out and get laid. And there's no, you have no roadmap for that. There's My friend Owen used to do this constantly. What are you going to do tonight? Oh, I'm going to go out and get some bitches. There were no bitches had by anybody. There was no laying of anyone, ever. And, but, and if you had asked him to quantify the plan for obtaining said bitches, there was no there was no plan. It was just that he had this vague sort of idea that the evening would end with him, I don't know, with like I don't know, like 15 girls in a in a phone booth somewhere and it's just like he never really was able to put it together. So I'm sitting on it was like a swing set in this Kennewick Park at midnight and uh, Brian hands me the uh, you know the can of Coors Light. I'm like, "Oh, I love beer." You know, and I just, I I open it. And I'm just trying to be all manly. And there's no way to be manly while you're swigging from a can of Coors Light in a park. Not that I'm advocating any sort of uh, abuse of your body, especially if you're underage. Yeah, Yeah, but see, but that's because that's pretty manly, actually. Yeah, but that's because you're not the. That's because you're not a a social uh, retard, and I am. And plus, I don't think I'd ever really consumed beer at that point. And when you're not really prepared oh, and for it, a, oh, like occurs, it's going gonna... to—it's a taste that maybe oh. you don't really know what to expect or what to anticipate. And but I remember my first sip of beer; it was disgusting. Yeah, awful. And I, mean, I used to drink vodka out of a like a a coffee mug for years because I couldn't deal with beer in a can. And I remember just drinking it, and you you kind of like are processing the taste, and it has sort of that brackish sort of uh, vibe to it. And just saying something, I don't remember what it was. It was something like you know, that, that thing of getting halfway through the can of Coors Light and then feeling the need to tell the girls how drunk I was, you know, and how I was like, oh, I'm all messed up, you know. It was just like, and you look back at it now, and I don't know. There's no part of that that seems like it was going to seduce anyone ever at any time. There's there's no facet to that story that seems endearing, even in a quirky sort of way. And it was just like the blind leading the blind, leading the blind, leading the blind. And even that, though, is like not as mortifying as the going so to the So wait, did anyone hook up with the bitches No, no, there was no, no. There was and, no bitch hooking? No, and by the way, it should be noted that I was never invited out again because I was like, <laughs> chick be gone. It's like he uh, would have me around and suddenly... Oh, so you were the guy who couldn't handle his half a beer? No, I was like, well, and plus I was just, I was just a tool. I mean, I was just like the deep woods off of girls. You would, you would have me there. And well, you. I mean, let's let, look. We can all speak as adults, sir. You've seen me in public. You know how I am, even now. That's true. I just I don't even know how to interact with people. Seems like you could be a good wingman, though. Uh, no, I, no, it's funny because the Rick that you see here is totally different than outside Rick. I, oh, yeah. outside Rick. I, outside Rick. Do tell. Real I, world Rick. Mm, I don't. I don't function. <laughs> no, and uh, you do. And and you try though, but you're just. 
a little awkward. I can kind of I can kind of talk here sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, you put me in any sort of, like Sarah every now and again, like like about every four months, will demand that I go to a social event with her. And then she'll tell me, she'll go like, and then you don't have to go to another one for another 90 days. You'll Old be Dakota. set. Uh, and so I'll go there and I just have to psych myself up, you know, before I go in, you know, to be able to, to sort of speak to people in, in small groups because I just have no no ability to do that. Oh, a shot of booze or two helps. Just, <laughs> That's my husband's way of Rip into a can it. of Coors Light. Yes. And there's nothing that turns chicks on more than when you're obviously nervous and stuttering around them, by the way. They find that to be exceptionally <laughs> sexy. And so there I am, you know, and, and just like just reeking of just fail and like with a bad mullet and just like a huge nose and bad skin with my half can of Coors. And just you're like, so what do you like about school? And, you know, and just making the most inane dribble of conversation that's ever been had by anybody. So, yeah, anyway, if you'd like to hear more of these stories, you can go to uh, Mortified PDX. Mortified PDX. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we should do this. We'll come back. More with Kelly Clark. Tim Riley has news. Chris Paddock will be here for Lost in 408. And more. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Stay right there. And I went to pick her up in the rain. But before. She got run over by a damned old train And I'll hang around as long as you will let me View every top five ever Go to KUFO.com and waste hours of your precious life Go to sleep, crazy lady This is the Rick Emerson Show in the news with Tim Riley. Cops think they've arrested the puppy bandit. This is a woman who's five foot four, one hundred eighty pounds. Like you to Wells Fargo, robbed it. They said she was wearing a puppy coat, probably masking a puppy physique. Oh, puffy! I thought you were saying the puppy bandit. No, 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 puffy. Puffy, okay. Puffy. Well, speaking of FFY. Speaking of puffy physique, <laughs> uh, I got a, a letter from somebody who was irritated that we were making fun of St. John's. Did you get this? Were you cc'd on this? No. It says, good morning, Rick Emerson, morning show. I was, uh, good morning, good morning, wacky DJ. I was listening to the show on my way to work this morning, and I heard the negative connotation regarding if a train were to come into St. John's, how it would come up with graffiti on it. <laughs> I was a bit offended by this, as I am a resident of the St. John's area, and I have grown up here. It up is here? A, uh, she claims it is, it is allegedly, Tim, a nice, quiet area of Portland that doesn't have the hustle and bustle of the city. That is true. I've been a taxpayer there since 1998. Yes. So I, uh, it's look, it's uh, you know, Portland is a uh, Portland is a tapestry with threads of all varieties. So uh, we're a we're a big tent here. A 19-year-old who tried to rob a liquor store sat down and cried after the owner locked him in the store. He was trying to rob the store. The the owner's behind the counter. He triggered the lock, and then the man grabbed a bottle of Hennessy cognac, bolted to the door. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled out a handgun, demanded to be released, but the owner said he saw that the gun was fake, refused to unlock the door, called the cops. Suspect threw the getaway, slumped on the floor, and cried Fantastic. until the officers arrived. She just made to him rest. drink. In your face. Well, that's going to stick with you the next time you try to perform as a man. That's a mortified story, right? It there. really is. <laughs> Octomania continues. Another Octo uh, tuplet has been released. This one is Josea Angel. There's one left to go. And the Octo Mom has hired security guards because somebody threw a car seat that was on her porch through the window of her minivan and smashed it. So, what does it deal with with the the nannies yeah. though? Because she because she sacked like half of them, right? Yeah. 
Uh, and then Gloria Allred and all of, you know, her whole entourage, they all got booted out as well. So who's in the house as of now? It says a nanny is still there. Wow. So at least she has one. I mean... But she's downsizing. I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of strange uh, that, I mean, I know the media, uh, the furor has died down uh, a little bit. And it just seems like the clock is ticking until they just stick her in a small, glassed-up room for the rest of her life. So, well, I think Bo Breedlove is taking a lot of the attention away from her here. Yes, yes, he has, <laughs> Tim <laughs> Riley. Well done. Look at you with this skillful segue. Uh, to actually sitting in the Did same you hear this, uh, Kelly? the same chair where Kelly Clark is now sitting. Wait, uh, tomorrow, my Bo mom going to be where both mom is. Yeah, well, he'll be wearing clothing in here. Yeah, oh. presumably. I mean, unless yeah, he's trying to replicate. Problem. Have you seen the new issue unzipped? Uh, why, yes, I have. Oh well, never mind. Did you, have, did you read the article? <laughs> no, I didn't get a chance to read the article. I don't I have don't a, I don't have a hard because nobody has a hard copy of the magazine yet. Oh, but I, I have a thinking. <gasps> there it is in all of its glossy glory. Yes, right. It here. makes you feel dirty if you open that. Yeah. The yeah, look it's... on his face in this cover is just priceless. Sort of knowing. You should let her look at the pictures and of yet him, really. studious. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. This is uh, yeah. this is a new copy of Unzipped. Please let me see those gay porno pictures. Uh, and uh, there's the <laughs> don't miss the article on creepy clown sex. Uh, by the way, you know we talked about this for a long time because none of us really were interested in, in reading the Bow article, but we are fascinated by this magazine. I, I think we might get a Willamette Week subscription. It is. Unzipped it now. does. Uh, the, the, uh, if you look at the cover, the sort of layout and the formatting, it makes it look very much like a game maxim, although I should say that it is, uh, a it is more... It is. I'm sure there's a lot of cooking tips in there, too. <laughs> yes, yes, Tim. It's, I should say it's uh, considerably more explicit. Don't be there weird. There was a meeting today. Is he telling me not to be scared? I'm just saying... By the man part. Uh, it's it, kind of... Whoa, I'm raunchy. saying that's, see, oh, there wait. you go, that's what I'm saying. It's, I don't uh, even understand what I'm looking at here. Why is this man giving him a prostate exam? Okay. Oh, there's Bo. Hello. Well, oh, look, he's help. in the shower. Hello, Bo. Hello, Bo. Moving, moving forward, here's Tim Riley at the news desk. So then we have this woman in Florida calling 911 to tell them she locked herself in a car. Wait, in where? where, Tim? Florida. You know, he hadn't said it yet. You were totally <laughs> out of it. One thing she hadn't thought about is just pulling up the lock on the door and letting herself out. Well, finally, she got the point. I'm not feeling well. I, I need some help. Just, just, are you able to pull the lock up on the door and open the door? You should be able to just pull the lock up even if it's electrical. I tried. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I got that going. Okay. So are you able to get out of the car now? Yes, I got the door open. Okay. All righty. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can get AAA or something. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. All righty. Bye-bye. The, the, the sound of the lock actually oh. being jiggled in the background is a really nice touch there. Also, that she can use a cellular telephone, but not <laughs> actually just like a lever that you just uh, move, which presumably she's used, I mean, at some point in the past, right? I mean, it's... Yes. I mean, it's not like... I think technology, yeah, it's running her brain. Yep. Yeah, it's not like somebody just stuck her in the car it. against her will. All right. <laughs> so these two kids in Massachusetts are trying to amuse themselves by throwing their toys out the window. They run out of toys, so they throw their baby brother out the window. Luckily, there there are two men standing below who catch the baby. It's something like right out of a movie. Well, when I had come out of the room where I was, I saw well, Robert asking what was going on, because I thought there was a fire originally, and he said that there was a baby dangling, so I ran to the side of the house, okay. and I saw her hanging from her two siblings, <laughs> And uh, one had one arm, and the other had the other arm. So Robert and I just ran right underneath her, and n no less than one second, two seconds later, the two siblings would just let go. Oh, and we goodness. were just there in the nick of time. That's so weird. That is messed oh. up. They I caught mean, the baby okay. just like in a movie. Yeah, I would be investigating uh, those kids right now. That's uh, yeah, the, well, they write those be two off That's right not something now. that normal children do. Save, no. a, save a cell. <laughs> Remember when
when you tried to kill me when we when I was four and oh. you were six oh, months old? Though. Oh, kids and their wacky death games. Here's Tim Riley. So the uh, first lady broke protocol by actually touching the queen. Uh, they're glad to have Michelle Obama over there now. They're comparing her to Jackie O or Princess Diana or a combination of both. Everyone's calling her Mighty Michelle, and I think she has that every woman kind of perception, but also she's still glamorous, she's elegant, and she makes her husband look very, very good. This is like, I remember in the latter days of the, of the uh, W administration. Boy, and what a weird, just strange, awful dream that whole period seems to have been. You just look back now, and it's sort of, it's, it's already like in the weird, hazy, sort of sepia-toned uh, category in my brain, where it doesn't really seem like George Bush was our actual, it does seem kind of like a sitcom that we all lived through for <laughs> eight years. It, yeah, I think it was a bad sort of season of the West Wing. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, it really doesn't even seem real. But I remember as his approval rating was reaching like one, they were doing this thing of sending Laura Bush out everywhere. And then the media would be fed these lies about how everybody loved Laura Bush. Like that was the whole thing. Like whatever you may think about her husband, we can all agree that Laura Bush is wonderful, which is like was an assessment shared by nobody. Probably not even members of her own family. I know, she looked like the Stefford wife, too. She looked like she probably went home and just like her jaw would unhinge so she could put an entire child in her mouth at once. That's just my perception of the situation. Uh, the feds have uh, arrested a half-dozen delivery man for John's Pizza in the Bronx, allegedly selling cocaine hidden in the pizza boxes. Why and would arrange with the in? customers either to have one of his delivery men deliver the cocaine to them or to have them come into the pizzeria and pick it up there. That's pretty genius. Yeah. Well, it's like that. We were, was you show me the other day where there was some guy who got caught in customs with a cast made out of cocaine. Yes, out of pure cocaine. Like his that leg is was all genius. And he, and he broke and his own leg. Wet. He broke his own leg just so he could have the cast made out of cocaine. He had this great oh, idea. Like, <laughs> I'm going to make a cast for my leg out of coke. Genius. Why would I need a cast? Get me that mallet. And he sat there and broke his own leg with a hammer. So he could put on this cast, which, I mean, that's, that's, kind of, that's dedication. It's dedication. It really yeah. is. Look, I mean, that's a work ethic that is little seen in this day and age. And I, for one, endorse it. Not the cocaine part. The breaking of the legs part. <laughs> and that only in certain Now I want cocaine pizza. Ask for it at Willamette Week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they still have the cocaine pizza budget. <laughs> yeah. There's so much of the coffee. Not so much of the coffee. Here's Tim Riley. Here's a hick watch. Here's your hick watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Slobbering all around the house Copenhagen Makes me feel so good Here's Tim Riley with your Hick Watch on Thursday. This comes to us from uh, Wichita. Apparently the uh, Wichita branch of the NAACP has been contacted about a board game created by an Andover 7th grader that centered on the Ku Klux Klan. Dante and Tanka Davis, who are African Americans and filed the complaint, say they're not against students learning about the KKK. The offense stems from the students' board game captions. One reads, quote, You forget to clean your white robe so you can't go to the lynching. You are punished. Move back two spaces. It was never a black girl white thing, says Davis. It's about decency. Now, the best part here, and by best, I mean most horrifyingly, <laughs> uh, perversely uh, awful, is the description. I think it's the teacher or the school. Mm-hmm. The so, administrators. First of all, Look, I hate to keep picking on Kansas, but there's something, I mean, uh, 
Lest we think that all the stupidity, uh, stupidity and idiocy in this country is centered in Florida. Well, uh, it's hours of nothing I, in Kansas. Well, that, I mean, yeah, it's just, like, it's just like states and states and states of just bland and nothing at all. It just smells like manure for a drive that lasts six hours. And I think, state. by the way, the Wichita School Board, I think they're the same ones. They, they stuck that thing on the textbooks saying that, like, evolution is just a theory and, that, like, we don't hold with no science and no, uh, with, with no learning here. So... So they have some seventh grader, and the assignment is to make a board game, and so the seventh grader makes a clan game, and then the school, I believe, gives this description of why that happened. Let's see. A language art teacher was trying to put a fun spin on history research by having students create board games. There you go. That is, uh, that's fun Kansas style, ladies and gentlemen. They are, they are the salt of the earth. They're God's people there in the middle of the country. Here's your Hick Watch. By the way, I should say, uh, we're trying to get through this whole last uh, five minutes of the program while uh, Kelly Clark is flipping through uh, gay porn right next to me, which is distracting <laughs> this to the This is how, actually how I start every morning. Somebody actually asked me, since this the Bo Breedlove uh, picture is just it's it, him by himself, and the question was raised, which is sort of a semantic point, but the sort of thing that will keep me up late at night, asking if... If Sarah is looking at this unzipped magazine, and if it's just, this is like if a train leaves, you know, and mm-hmm. nobody hears it, does it get to Chicago or whatever? The, if you're looking at unzipped magazine, and it's just you looking at Bo Breedlove, is it in fact still gay porn? Yeah, mm-hmm. think about that. There you go. But Ke- the page open is him looking out the window. Apparently, he's waiting for the yeah. delivery of his trousers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's sitting on a, yeah, like a, a lady boy chair, looking longingly, wistfully out the window with oh, no I wish pants, I had pants on. <laughs> Which is actually, I'm pretty. That's is this what guys side. do? Yeah. Did, did that squirrel take my underwear home. up into the tree? <laughs> no. It's, so it's Bo Breedlove. He yes, he is kneeling on a sort of lazy boy recliner. He's wearing, uh, I would say, a very tastefully tailored shirt and nothing else. No pants. And he's peering out uh, the window. It's not so much the wrong trousers uh, as it is no trousers. <laughs> At least they have evolved somewhat from the Playgirl era, which you know, it, it was always just the thing of like the guy doing. Like something that you would never do, like working on a belt sander or something with no pants. Yeah. It's always the guy right above the exhaust manifold of his Chrysler, uh, with the, you know, which is like a variation on the Playboy deal, where Playboy, especially in the 80s, they would have these women who were in sort of everyday situations, but then nude, and so it'd be, but it would always be like reaching into the ice cream section of a frozen foods uh, <laughs> aisle or something, at like a Ralph's. All right. Uh, Kelly Clark, new issue of Willamette Week? Yeah, it came out yesterday, or you can see it on WWeek.com. Lots of good stuff for you this week. Uh, we did a rib off this week, which was really awesome. We did a barbecue taste test. You should definitely check that out. Oh, okay. I thought you were oh, uh, sorry, referencing you, something. something. You have the hmm. Bo Breathe in or something else. Well, that's an awkward way to end this. <laughs> Let's go drink some Coors Light and sit on a playground set. <laughs> Kelly Clark from Willamette Week, WWeek.com, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget Bo Breedlove in the studio with us tomorrow. Straight ahead, more from Tim Riley and Chris Paddock will join Sarah Dillon for Lost in 408. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. View every top five ever. Play it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Go to KUFO.com. Do it now. If I want... It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Joining us now in studio, Christopher J. Paddock. Hello, sir. Good morrow. How are you? 
I'm uh Somebody looks bright eyed and bushy tailed. Yeah, I feel How's good. How's it going, boss? You know, I'm doing I, great. Hold on, I got just the uh here for whatever I else. Really? Hold on, I'll get this in the meantime. Oh, fantastic. These uh these headlines are being worked on by Tim Riley today. A man crashes into a house to blow off some steam. That's what he told the cops. The, the uh, house was mostly destroyed. A nurse has been charged with injecting ten patients with bleach, killing five. And a bottle of booze in Oregon just went up 50 cents, but it's only temporary. It's only to raise some temporary funds, and prices go back in June. So oh, we're told. So I'm, I'm glad that I bought this earlier then. Oh, hey, the Thunderbird <laughs> is gone. Wow. I think that was gone in the day of Timmy Ryan. <laughs> Thunderbird. Thunderbird wow. and marshmallow no, I don't. I don't drink that. Sorry. Yeah, I think there's don't warm... mean to be a snob or PBR anything. over here. You want that? Ah, uh, no, thank I you. I got some Jägermeister. I I had a few beers last night, and then um, uh, then I, I graduated on to a beverage called Pims. What is it? Uh, it's, it's an English thing, and uh, you do a shot of it, you pour it on ice, and then you put ginger ale on top. I actually had to explain to the bartender how to prepare what bar were you drink. At? Uh, I was at uh, I was at a couple uh, places. One was uh, <laughs> one was called Kells. Give them a plug, I guess. Yeah, that's where I was. So what were you doing out uh, drinking uh, with I was it? Partying with uh, with uh, uh, hooligans. Yeah, rock bands and whatnot. Yeah, they were here from Ireland. This band. I don't know what's C. happening in this story. There was a hot rock band from Ireland in town, and you didn't call. Well, it. you were. You, I don't know. You were off gallivanting or something. Busy watching sure. Lost. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was busy preparing for the segment that we do oh. every week. Well, oh, I, hey, I'm prepared for said segment. All right. What yeah. time did you I'm get home last night? Did you? Uh, was it a lady? Well, you know, we had a party, uh, an office party last yesterday. Oh yeah, I remember that was at, that was at three. Yep. Yes. And then I got home at ten thirty. Oh well, that's not so bad. That's not yeah. bad. Oh, but that's I mean, like I, but, but I pretty much. Oh, but it was started seven and a half at three hours, and I just kept going. So that's like if the party were to start at ten, you were to get home at five thirty a.m. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, thank okay. you for putting it that way. Well, I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's all relative. So uh, that's what you got to do. Well, it, I, uh, I did stop by the, uh, I did stop by the aforementioned uh, party that happened at our third, at the Coin Tower, our third yeah. Avenue building. That was uh, the weirdest thing, by the way. Just the kind of thing that I fix. So while you're in, you know, uh, using the, the, the free booze, I'm fixated on the fact that Dave's in because there's like a, there's a spread, there's like fruit mm-hmm. and you know, and meats and cheeses of all varieties, and Zin has got like all these vegetables. He's got all this meat and cheese and bread and whatever. And he's got the strangest thing. He's got three blueberries, which is like you either get one or you get a whole fistful. Like, why would you get three blueberries? Well, you know, if if you are scooping up the blueberries, I just like to point out, it's probably not very easy to do in a spoon because it, the the blueberries roll and they tend to not stay balanced on the spoon. Maybe it just seems like it's a disproportionate amount of work, really, for the it payoff is. you're going to get. It is, but he was also eating broccolini. So I'd like to point that out. So, Sarah, where where are we here? With, well, we have uh, one more break. Program? Should we take our last break really quickly and then do Lost on the other side and then go right to Buzz? So do we have Lost observations? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. In fact, I am I, I am freshly uh, viewing the episode. I, I watched it this morning. The last 15 minutes. I'll explain. Oh, I watched the whole thing. I sense greatness on the horizon. You can, <laughs> you can smell it if you inhale deeply right now. It's the Rick Emerson Show, Lost in 408, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Show in mere moments. We are such fans of your music and all of your records. I'm not speaking of yours personally, but the whole genre of the rock and roll. Only on Rock 101, KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101, KUFO. 
We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com and from the San Diego Zoo, Joan Embry. By the way... And? And? I don't... Oh, I was coming back to a big. All right, fine. I was we have doing to my. that as much as possible. I was about to do a big theatrical, uh, over-the-top uh, reveal. Fine. We can start and it again. No, no, no. It's fine. No, it's no. The magic's gone. I was gonna do a roundabout, and then you come back, you tie it up. Instead, I'll say this. Yesterday, around uh, I don't know, around three o'clock, if you've been in the vicinity of uh, the vicinity of Chris Paddock, he would have in fact smelled like Beyonce Knowles. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just needed a little. Uh, I needed a little spritz. I want to do his office. <laughs> he's opening a cardboard box. I go into his office, and he's taking out like a small sort of like, it looks like a like a diamond that's been cut into many many facets, yeah. and he's sprinting them and walking through it. I said, "What are you putting on?" He goes, "That's the Beyonce uh, scent." Yeah. And then like without explanation, then he put it back in the box and put it back in the drawer, and there was like no follow up offered, which was wonderful. The, the so. room smelled like McDonald's, and that's that's the bottom line. <laughs> it needed it needed. Was this me. morning another McDonald's morning? Panic? No, no, not at all. No. No. Anyway, so tomorrow, Bo Breedlove uh, will be sitting in that chair right there where Chris Paddock is now sitting. And it smells like Beyonce. All right. Are we uh, are we ready to roll the uh, ready to roll our lost oh, segment for today? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, ladies and gentlemen, will you please make way for another exciting installment of Lost in 408? Nope. Nope. Yep. There we go. Okay, just really quick. First, I had to watch the rest of this episode this morning because I fell asleep during the, the last 15 minutes okay, so of it. we can it. talk about this later. Yeah, All okay. Right. So, um... <laughs> not listening! So, Ben, no. not dead. Not no, dead. he's not dead. Not dead, he because gets... you can't change the future. Well, as much as you try. Okay, as much as you want to change... As remember as you like, the island won't let you die? Yes, the island won't let you die because whatever's in the future is already established and you can't change that regardless of what... So all this stuff that is happening in the past has already happened to make the events in the future actually happen. It got so bad that Hurley tried to use the Back to the Future analogy that they would disappear, which I brought up a few weeks ago. That was doing hilarious, this though. And it is hilarious, I but like it is not. Yes, he, thank God for him, because it was kind of a dark episode. Very melodramatic. Kate, we learned what she did with Aaron. She gave up Aaron mm-hmm. back in L.A. to Claire's mother. How creepy was that blonde lady in the supermarket trying to steal him? You could tell that she was, oh, like, was one of Charles Woodmore's people. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. She, had the, she had the crazy eyes. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a very strange moment. But the, the, the strangest of all is when they brought the body of Ben, young Ben, who's been shot, mm-hmm. to Richard Alpert and the others because they made a you... deal to save Ben by giving him to Richard. And he says that no matter what, you know, by giving him to me, you know that that's going to take away his innocence and he'll never be the Which same Which I thought again. was kind of creepy because Richard really seemed kind of child molester And then he brings point. him to the temple with, like, the smoke monster thing. Okay, but there was a lot revealed about... Ben Linus last night. For example, his relationships in the future with people. Like, for example, how he treats Saeed like crap. Maybe he knows from the past that Saeed's the one that shot him. And how he keeps Jack in the cage. Maybe he knows that Jack's the one that wouldn't save him when he... And it really did happen in the past and it had an effect on future events. Mm-hmm. What if there was some sort of subtle, slight difference? Like, and I bring this up for Rick, like the episode Mirror Mirror of Star Trek where yeah. they ended up in the alternate universe and mm-hmm. everyone, like, Spock had the badass goatee. Like, if that means that there's going to be, like, a subtle difference in the way Ben Linus treats everyone in the present yes. where he is now because at the end the big reveal was he's, he's known sit- them all all along he's sitting there though and he's sitting he's lying in bed and he's recovering from his injuries mm-hmm. and John Locke is sitting there staring <gasps> at him in yeah, the face yeah when Locke is like welcome back to the land of the living how it's creepy like, what the hell is that that was the end of that exactly and like every character serves a purpose so I'm gonna have to I kind of want to I can't wait till it's over so I can start rewatching the first and second season so I can see how Ben treats everyone from the beginning to try and establish those relationships like from where they are now but I also think he's also you know it's like they kept Saeed locked up 
Mm-hmm. In, in, and and, and like he also they kept, killed Saeed's wife. He killed everybody important to Saeed. He hired him as his hired because hand. Because Saeed you know, shot Saeed, him. Yeah, I was trying to kill him. See, it all makes sense now. I know. It totally makes sense. But the only thing, it doesn't make sense, and I'll bring this up because you told me to bring it up later. It was difficult. It was a great episode. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep in the middle of it. I passed <laughs> out, and I and I woke up realizing that I still had my finger on the fast-forward button, and it was still fast-forwarding. <laughs> so I had to re-watch the last 15 minutes this morning. Oh, the dangers of lossing oh. and drinking. This oh, paddock. my goodness. It was a creepy night. <laughs> but it was amazing. It was like it was a creepy episode. It was a lot of like Kate-centric and Aaron-centric. It's good to know at least where Aaron is. And how uh, Kate actually said that Aaron, that Claire was still alive, definitively, even well, though yeah. it's not really known. Don't you think like this is the season where Jack is just kind of a great big Jack a-hole? is a douchebag. I want him yeah. to go away. Yeah. I actually have in my notes, Jack. Jack isn't... is an a-hole. <laughs> yep. Wow. The observations of Sarah Dillon. Yeah. And we're done. Wow. That timed out perfectly. Way to go out of... Whew. Way to tag it there uh, strong at the end. Yeah. Right. Jack is an a-hole. I Lost heart you, Paddock. Far away. I heart you. This so, is still the show about the people that the plane crashes and they have to find water. Indeed. To, like, live, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. I want to make That's sure they the had one. like there wasn't some other show called Lost that they'd slotted in there <laughs> no, when I wasn't they're looking. They're lost in time. They're lost children. They're lost. They're I'm right. lost in this whole conversation. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins as well as Amanda Moyer. We want to thank Kelly Clark from Willamette Week and Chris Paddock. Uh, don't forget to join us tomorrow when our guests will include Bo Breedlove, ladies and gentlemen. That'll be happening Ooh. tomorrow, Friday, on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, Smells Like the 90s is next with Buzz. You know all the closing credits. Do them in your head now, won't you please? It is Thursday, April 2nd, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth. I'm Rick Emerson. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Bye. Hey, Hans, it's Little Puppy. And 